Hey, this is Mike Herrera. You're listening to Magnified Pod. This is a yelling podcast. From poking at you to plans and everything in between, this is Magnified Pod, the only podcast that discusses culture, religion, politics, and the entire discography of everyone's favorite left coast punks. MXPX. Yeah. And we're back. Boom. I'm Andrew. I'm John. This is our podcast. It is. And today. Special app. Special app. We're talking to Jared Scott, MXPX photographer, dude, <laughs> all around. Good guy. Solid ass bro. Mm hmm. Um, we're going to have a conversation with him coming up Yep. and try to ignore my coughing, which I tried to stifle (laughs) as much as I could. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, we, we all had to work through a couple things. I was, um, struggling with deciding whether or not I should open a beer on mic. (laughs) That's a tough one. (laughs) Which I held off on doing. It was a lot of thoughtful conversation, and so it felt kind of tough to (laughs) crack it. There was a moment where I was thinking, I I I did the and then I was like, I can't Mm. go full with the through pop. You can just pretend that was a sneeze or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. And uh, anyway, so that's coming up in a bit, but... Um, John, we are fast approaching, um, the Christmas season. That's true. How are you? How are you feeling? I'm <laughs> feeling pretty good. I got a lot of Christmas, uh, MXPX to go through still and <laughs> decide my thoughts on them. There are many songs, people, so prepare yourself. Yeah, we have, we have a handful of songs to go through. There are, <laughs> there are, I mean, we're... It's it's not pushing let it happen territory, but it's not far behind. It's not far behind. There are a lot, there are a lot of songs. Yeah. Um. But anyway, how are you feeling with Christmas soon upon us? I am excited. I love Christmas yeah. so much. Me too. It is it is the best. I. But you know what? We we need to save all the Christmas That's talk true. for the Christmas app. Yeah. But we will get there. But you know what, John? We have a handful of voicemails that I'm excited to get to because not only do we have uh, some excellent questions mm-hmm. that we are going to get to this episode and next episode. Ooh. But we also have a first-time caller. Nice. Long-time first-time. Long-time first-time. Hopefully it's a long time. I don't know. This is, uh, this is new to me. I don't, I don't know who this person is. Not somebody that's interacted with us before that I know of. It's not the cackler. (laughs) Maybe it is. I don't know. (laughs) We don't know who the, the cackler is. Uh, I've I've tried to do my research and I've come up empty. He's always one step ahead. <laughs> he's he's the Carmen San Diego. He's I imagine him in a red trench coat and a red hat uh, at all times. Yeah. Uh, but this this is 
Adam uh, from North Carolina. Hey, guys. This is Adam calling out of North Carolina. First off, just want to, for what it's worth, let you know that cherry starbursts are the life in general of the starburst world. <laughs> Can we explain for Riker that means they're the best, not <laughs> the eighth best starburst? He's ridiculous. Uh, best albums of 2018 or favorite albums of 2018 besides MXPX's album, obviously. Uh, I'd have to go the Get Up Kids put out an EP called oh, Kicker. Didn't really good. Know. Technically not an album, but we're going to go with it. Four song EP. Uh, Parquet Courts, Wide Awake was, mm-hmm. a, was a good album this year. Check it out. Took me a few listens, but the Save of the Day album grew on me uh, the last couple months. Bayside's Acoustic Volume 2, also pretty good. And I might be in the minority here, but I actually really enjoyed the new Arctic Monkeys album. I know it took kind of a an odd turn for them, but uh, I really enjoyed it. Lastly, listen to the Cooties podcast. I got to say, I think you guys take that side project a little too seriously. <laughs> um, just some of your criticisms of it. Yeah, it's silly. Some of the lyrics are pretty questionable, but I think that's the point. I think these were two two bands, friends friends and two bands getting together, saying, Hey, let's just have some fun, write some songs about the beach, about girls, just childish, silly things. I don't think it's supposed to be taken so seriously. I mean, you look at the the album title, Let's Play House, the art, the album mm-hmm. artwork, the name, the cooties, it all evokes kind of childhood. So I just, I don't know. I think it's fun. It's obviously not, you know, a classic. Maybe it's better than Secret Weapon. It's <laughs> definitely better than Before Everything and After. Preach. But uh, anyways, maybe I'm being too critical of you guys. So I'll end on a positive. You guys do an awesome job. I look forward to the show every week. You're a couple of handsome Mike Herrera-looking guys. <laughs> Maybe after somebody's had a few best lives, they'd say that. But anyway, <laughs> Magpod for life. Oh, dude, Thanks, Adam, buddy. That, Adam, that is... Our new best friend. <laughs> best friend. <laughs> Fuck you, Danny Stairs. We got Adam from North Carolina. Get out of our basement. <laughs> Adam's moving in. <laughs> um... So, bro, I don't, I don't know where you, where you came from. Like you just, <laughs> this is, uh, this is great. Thank you for, uh, listening. We appreciate you, uh, looking forward to the pod. So John, there are a handful of things we need to discuss about our cooties up. <laughs> First is this notion that we hate party my house be there (laughs) well i think that's mainly directed at me well yes but i'm being lumped in with it (laughs) but all you said in both episodes the buffalo episode and and maybe uh and the cooties one for sure yeah that you just said it's It's not not your favorite song (laughs) yeah people are (laughs) outraged people are, are like up in arms but they're also lumping me in with it. <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and and all I said was for the live album that I was okay with them making it abbreviated, mm-hmm. which I didn't think was such an outrageous <laughs> uh, 
thing to say. Yeah. But I don't know. I know it's a it's a classic. It's a beloved MXPX song. It's just uh, it's not my fave. Yeah, then that, that's that's fine. Is that such a crime? Yeah, I also I also uh, <laughs> said on the before everything and after app that uh, quit your life was the <laughs> the worst song in MXPX canon, mm. and. You go on any Mike Carrera live stream, <laughs> yeah. and everybody's like, oh, my God, I'm like, what's your life, Mike? I love that song. Yeah. And he also, on the Pierre uh, episode mm-hmm. uh, with with Mike on the Mike Carrera podcast, Pierre said that that's, like, his favorite song. That makes sense. So, <laughs> burn notice. I just, that, that style. Yeah, it's not really for me. No, it's not for me. Oh, the super pop is not really our jam, mm-hmm. but I I see the significance here. I'll take a Riker, a page from the Riker playbook. <laughs> I can see the importance, yeah, of the album, sure, slash the song, yeah, and it's just not my favorite. So why don't we? So Adam, first off, uh, I. Some of our critiques of the Cooties. This is why we start off the up saying it's a fun album. Yeah, it's they probably wrote the songs when they were eighteen, right, or nineteen, and the album came out maybe when they were nineteen or twenty or something. So right. yeah, they were kids. It's it's a goof. I. I, I to your point, yeah. There, there's a whole theme with the Let's Play House and right. all the, the retro artwork and everything. They're having a laugh. They're having a, they're having a laugh, and yeah. I just, I, I don't think, it's in a, it's like the perfect album, but it's certainly fun, and I don't take it as seriously as I do an MXPX album, which I th- no. think I said if yeah. I didn't, I'm saying it now. Um, Agreed. So, but why don't we go from the because Riker has been getting <laughs> poor Striker. <laughs> poor Striker. He's just um, uh, he's that was, a, that was a tough one for yeah. a lot of people. <laughs> Little Striker, <laughs> life in general, number eight. <laughs> so Riker, for oh, you, Riker has uh. He comes to has to come to his own defense. Hey, Andrew and Gron, it's Riker, also known as Striker to Google and my metal friends. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for all the shout outs slash sick burns in the last episode. Uh, I thought it was thoroughly enjoyable. So, I'm totally confident in my top 10 album choices. So, I don't have any rebuttals, but I do have a clarification and a minor correction. So first, I didn't mean to make it sound like I dislike Life in general. I love all of MXPX's studio albums, from Pokenacha to Plans and everything in between and beyond. So I think Life in general is awesome. To me, it's just not the most awesome, but I still think that it's a classic, and I really enjoy that, or I really enjoy it. So I just want to make that clear. I wasn't trying to uh, be a Life in general hater 
Um, secondly, uh, towards the end of the episode, you made a comment about me not liking Buffalo. And, you know, I know it's an emotional subject, and I understand. I was really stirring the pot. But I just wanted to remind you that Buffalo isn't my number eight. Um, Life in general is eight, and Buffalo is five. So it's almost by four, but plans just barely educate me. So, you know, I just wanted to take a second to proclaim my love for Buffalo, just in case anyone was doubting. It's one of my favorites, and I uh, definitely think it's my favorite MXTX album from the 90s. So, with that said, um, I gave a few, Still not actually, I gave a shout-out to John last time, so yes. I thought I'd give a few more shout-outs. Uh, one for April, for her support in the great 2018 Starburst debate. Despite our different uh, flavor preferences, um, she was very supportive, and I really appreciate that. One for uh, Daniel downstairs. I know that Y'all blow really means I love you. <laughs> and uh, one for Harriet for the fascinating insights. And lastly, one for Andrew uh, for your amazing sense of humor, your lifelong learner attitude, your commitment to interfaith dialogue and productive dialogue in general. Uh, that's something I really admire and respect and appreciate. And um, also, uh, shout out for making spreadsheets cool again. Okay, well... Uh, that's it for now, but I'll be back in a little bit. Magnify time for life. Yeah. You know what? I don't know. Riker, man, my bro, my dude. Riker coming through with the solid voicemail. He is a thoughtful dude. He's a thoughtful dude, man. Riker, I can't say enough good things about you, despite your uh, <laughs> lack of taste in MXPX albums. And Starburst. <laughs> and Starburst preferences. I mean, but those things, put those things aside, and you're just a solid bro. We really appreciate all those those nice shout-outs. Yeah, man. It meant, when I listened to that for the first time, it really yeah. warmed the cockles of my heart. Totes. So, thank you so much. And, yeah, we're all, you know, giving you, giving you a hard time, um, but, you know, you're... And, and this is something that we, uh, we're going to talk about coming up with Jared in a bit, just about the the context in which we first heard MXPX and mm-hmm. what where we were in the moment when we first heard that particular album, what we were going through, and you know, there's a there's an age difference with us, right. and and that and that is a huge deal with with MXPX when we first came into them. So, you know, uh, we're gonna talk with jared about those first handful of their albums and what those meant to us because that's where we were when when uh when we discovered them so mm-hmm. um but all that aside we really appreciate those uh those shouts uh, but Riker has he has another another voicemail with some additional thoughts and interesting questions Hey, Andrew and John, it's Riker back for second voicemail of the week, of this week. Um, so, uh, one of my favorite albums of the year is Jack White's Boarding House Reach. Um, I absolutely love Jack White um, from his work with the White Stripes, the Raconteurs, uh the Dead Weather, his solo stuff. Um, I just, I love it all. I think it's so uh, unique and dynamic and, and just 
uh, delicious. It's really tasty music. So um, his new album is super weird. I just want to just quickly, I like the uh, the use of delicious. It's good and tasty. Tasty. It's, it is tasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we. I digress. But I think it's deliciously misunderstood. Musically, it's a fine line. Like Anchor, like Anchor Valley, mm-hmm. which I haven't had <laughs> yes. any Anchor Valley yet, but I'm assuming it's, it's fantastic. So uh, that's the comparison there. But great album. Um, and just to be a little extra, uh, my favorite albums of 2017 were Crooked by Propaganda and Odyssey by The Accidentals. Uh, both are so good, and I can't stop thinking about them or listening to them, which is why I had the urge to mention them right now. And um, to be even more extra, an album I'm, lo- I'm really looking forward to in 2019 is uh, Panorama by La Dispute. Um, La Dispute is from my hometown, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, they were originally signed with No Sleep, but now they're with Epitaph. And um, I can't wait to see what they do next. So super excited about that. And um, moving forward, uh, I have a question for you as well that's inspired by the Left Coast Live episode. Hmm. And that question is, if you could build a set list for NXPX, what songs would you choose? Hmm. And now I know this question could get crazy, so I'll set a few parameters. Um, for this question, let's stick with 10 songs. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to be your top 10 favorite songs, just songs that you would really love to see live. And um, what would the opener be, and what would the closer be, other than Punk Rock Show, of course. So um, I'm just really curious about what you'll pick. And I can tell you right now, my list would include Study Humans and Plenty of Jams from Panic, for sure. Uh, Yeah, all right. Well, I think that's all I have. So hope you two have a fantastic week. Magnified Pod for life. My dude. (laughs) My dude, Riker. Thanks, Uh, bud. So I just want to say for both Adam and Riker's top albums, I've listened to none of them. Yeah, very little. I've heard the Parquette Courts record. Uh, I didn't know most of the punk bands that Adam mentioned had even put out records. Yeah, I didn't know either. Um, I've heard Jack White's record a little bit. I haven't spent a ton of time with it, but yeah, we'll have to do some um, some research. I, I'm. I don't know if I'm on record saying like. Yeah, I, we talked about this. I about think. Jack White? Yeah. Like, how I'm, like, I kind of, res- I respect him as an artist, and, mm-hmm. like, I like some, like, White Stripe stuff, but, like, I know some people are, like, pretty, like, hardcore into him, like, and I don't know, I'm, I guess I'm just sort of, like, lukewarm on him, yeah. not for any particular reason, just, like, I don't know, I'm not... Yeah. I just haven't really found myself getting into his his style at all. I was a pretty huge White Stripes fan, and I think respect is the right word for his solo stuff. I like it, but yeah. it hasn't really moved me on the level of that band. So Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. We will not get into our top albums of the year until our Christmas app. Yep. So everybody can uh, keep your pants on. Yeah. You can wait for... Clear jets. <laughs> we can... Uh, blow your minds with our hot takes uh, in the next episode. But we did come correct yeah, we did. with our top 10 
songs, openers and closers. So, John, I also, I, I think I communicated this to you before that I threw in two encore songs. I did the same. You did the same. Okay. <laughs> I uh, mean, yeah, I, maybe we did this differently. I just did the ideal set that I would want to see them play okay. of 10 songs. Yes. Now the opener and closer are in there. But the opener and clo- yes, I did. I did the opener and closer specifically. Yeah. Um, which might be a little bit of a, of a mind blowing <laughs> moment for some people because I'm sort of flipping the tables here, mm. but I did, I, I took Riker's advising not necessarily favorite songs no, because some of these songs different from that these some of these songs might right. be some on overlap. my top 3 some of them um i think actually probably <laughs> now that i'm like scanning uh, some of them might <laughs> a lot of them are but anyway um, yeah this was an incredibly fun and challenging exercise. Yeah. So thanks, Riker. I um, I spent way too much time on this. I Did was you? like thinking about. I would listen to the end of one song and think about how the beginning of the next one went. When do you need nice. to cool down a little? When do you need to come back up? All right. Now we both. <clears throat> cheated with our encores. Yes, we did. And but this is we're we're uh, we are playing with the the with. I mean, we're we're stretching. Yeah, it, and it's our show. Goddamn, it's it. our we show. Do, <laughs> if we, we if we were doing a real set, it would be much longer than ten songs. Correct. But it was fun to stick to ten as a as a sort of parameter challenge. And I gotta say, I feel I feel pretty good about this. Okay. I gotta make a playlist of these songs. All right. Um, yeah. I, I, if I if I were doing this hardcore, I would have made the playlist. Yeah. And see how it sounded. Right. Well, um, there's still time. There's still time. I uh, throw in some uh, cha <laughs> between each. I appreciated the cha at the end of Riker's uh, voicemail. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I would need some more. Did I did I cut it off? I before? think you might have, but he did throw in a cha. Okay, let uh, me <laughs> let me see if I can. Menfaitan for life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Way to go, bud. <laughs> love it. Oh God, um, love that guy. He's a good guy. He's a good dude. I think I would need some more diversity um, in terms of styles of songs, but these are this is a, a set of wall to wall bangers. So okay, so let's uh, let's John. Can we hear your your first your first song? Well, so should we trade back and forth? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, let's do that, and then let's run through the whole list of each of ours real quick, because how they flow into each other is important. <laughs> okay. So you just want? Do you just want to ping pong back and forth? I want to do a little explanation okay. for some of them. So okay, you do <laughs> you want to do? Do you want to kick it off and I'll do your little explanation? Yep. So we've talked a lot about what songs we would want to hear as like an opening song for a live show. Rolling strong, bro. That's what All I want right. to hear. Plug it in. A little distortion. Hit me with that bass line. Let's rock. That's right. Yeah. Tell me if you heard this at a show, you wouldn't be like, bah. Yes. That's how we're starting. I can't dis- I can't I can't disagree. <laughs> that is a uh that is a slow or a <laughs> It is a solid, solid choice. How about you? Mm. 
Is this theme fiasco? This is what I had as my number one for a long time. And then I was because like... Because typically they throw this in towards the end. Right. I love that but we both had it as an opener. This this is... I'm thinking if if you heard this sound yeah. coming... Oh, I'd be and then, so and excited. Then like, and this like is the when lights. they're like walking onto the yes. stage. Yeah. And then the yeah. lights start going. Yes. <laughs> and then Mike picks up the bass. <laughs> I was very close to having this as my invisibility. 100%. Everybody would lose their minds. Oh, shit. That's right. What's up, Chicago? Yeah! <laughs> um. Everybody get in the pit! We're MXPX! <laughs> Come on. I mean, yes. there's no way that is not... <laughs> Would be not an insane way because yeah. that that's that's zero to sixty. Yeah, the reason I ultimately left it off was because narrowing it down to ten was so tough. I was like, I gotta hear some of these others instead. So. Sure. So after Rolling Strong, see, this is where it suffers a little because of the shorter set. Because I have like three openers in a row, but I don't care. <laughs> Next up is Darkest Places. Go straight into that. Bro. Yeah, see. We are simpatico. Now I almost wish I would have kept the fiasco as my opener too, so we were a two for two. Yeah. It was very close. No, it's for me it was when I was thinking <laughs> about how theme fiasco ended. Yeah. I could, I could, I could visualize totally. Yuri yep, just keeping and it going, just, and just like moving into yep, it. Yeah, I thought about that as well. Yeah, so I knew I was like that. You and I were both thinking about tr- the transition. <laughs> yep, that's right. That's that's dedication, people. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty confident my number three is not going to appear on your list, but play it loud would be my my next one. Um, I do you know what <laughs> I had play it loud? Okay. On my, on, on the, uh, on my set list. Okay. But it got, it got swapped out for something else. Well, I would go nuts if I heard this, so. Those drums. Yeah, man. I think any of those first three could be openers. As could theme fiasco, but. This back-to-back-to-back for me would would be pretty exciting. Yeah, I don't remember what replaced... uh, I don't remember what replaced Play It Loud, but... This is next for me. That's, yeah, good call. So pretty much from Darkest Places into Young and Depressed is how the album goes. Yep, this is one... This was one of the last that I had to lop off my list when I was narrowing it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so that was your number three. Yep. And number four, Friday Tonight. That didn't That didn't make my list. Oh, I feel like this is one that I'm, like, so excited to hear live. Yeah. Mine is... Ah, old school. Go I'm old school. It. Yeah. Because I haven't heard this song live. No. When I first started this out, I had a ton of stuff from Poconacha and Teenage Politics. Yeah. I was like, because that's what I really want to hear. 
And then eventually I was like, no, I'm just trying to make the best set. Like I was trying to represent a range of albums too. And uh, unfortunately, Pokenatch didn't end up making the cut. That's too bad. Yeah, but I that would be super think, fun. I, I think, is that the only Pokenatcha? That is the only Pokenatcha song. Pokenatcha. That's right. Pokenatcha. Yeah. So that was, the, so we're at, now we're at number five. Which number, number five. Sliding into middle name. Bring that life Ooh. in general. Yeah, your number, Nine. your number eight. <laughs> See, this is my concern is like, it's too many front-loaded songs, but like, I would go crazy. I thought yeah. this was kind of a good halfway point, finally bringing in some some of the eighth best album. <laughs> What's your number five? What is my number five? Um, well, I think... A song that would probably never get played ever, and it's a song I would definitely want to hear. Yeah. Uh, this was also on my list for a long time. Yeah. I ultimately had to let it go, but uh, I because, would be very like, psyched. Because Riker's talking about like songs that right. we'd like to hear. Yeah. No, yeah, at some point I made peace with, like, this isn't just obscure songs John wants to hear, which could be a version of a set list. I wanted to actually craft one that I thought flowed together well. But right. my number, what are we Six. at? Six. Is now along similar lines, and our attorney, Daniel Starrett, will have an issue with this because it's two songs counting as one. It is Small Town Minds and First Class Mail. I almost did the same thing. Okay. But uh, <laughs> Daniel Starrett Esquire uh, <laughs> counseled <went>. against it. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, of course. I, I mean, I also felt like as I was losing some of those Pokenatch and Teenage Politics songs, I was like, there needs to be hardcore space in this set. And this was kind of that fulfilled that for me. So. That is, that's fair. So mine would be, as you'll hear us talk about a little bit later. Nice. That would be so fun. <laughs> How tr- pumps would you be if you started hearing this? <laughs> I feel like I would just not believe it. It would be so fun. It seems unlikely. Well, if... If we were at a show <laughs> and this part came up, <laughs> and then we'd hoist Brian Bouchelt up on our shoulders. <laughs> exactly. Bremerton Bry! Yeah! <laughs> All right, this is where it starts to stretch uh, credibility because on my next song, we bring Five Iron Frenzy to the stage to play with them. That's right, people, it's heard that sound. Um, and because it's my set list, I just decided Five Iron Frenzy is there too, so they can come out. Yeah, they can. You can do whatever you want. I would probably want this on there, even if Five Iron wasn't there. But like, with the horns, it definitely makes the list of songs I want to see live. Also, I would still like a tour with both of them playing, please. Same. <laughs> what you got? Oh yeah, 
This is on my list for a while too. Yeah. It's just it's it's a hard it's it's rough. Yep. That bass. Yeah, I know, man. This, yeah, this was on there for a long time. I ultimately decided um, Let It Happen could only get one slash two tracks for me. So I have, um, and I also have two. Ah. Interesting. Can't wait. Okay. All right. What are we at? Okay, so next we up. We are at eight. Eight. Far away. I wanted it on there because I wanted some plans, representation. I love the song. and There it is. I want to hear it live. Damn it. Um, and I thought this would be a good come down after I heard that sound or come up. Especially hearing Mike scream in the bridge. Yeah. I mean, that's what I really want to hear live. So we all do. Yeah. We all want. We all want <laughs> Mike screaming at we us. We also want. We all want angry Mike. Yeah. What you got? Oh, man, let it happen. Well represented. Yes. I love it. I would be very excited. See, this is where my brain went first. Was like heavily change politics. Let it happen. Poconacha, and then I was just like, I have to. I mean, I have, I have. Okay, we'll we'll run down the list at the end. Sure. But um, okay, so what's your what's your number nine? Let's ride. Oh, um, so you have three. Yeah, man. I you're you, touring on the new record. Gotta I have those new I songs. Have none from the new. Wow. See again, that's kind of I was like. I think maybe that's when I made the change. Mentally, is that like originally I wanted just old and obscure stuff, and then when I started thinking about the new songs, I was like, well, those are the ones that I want to hear too. So then I was like, I have to shape this a little bit differently. It's fair. But this is like such an epic song. It could be an opener or like a number two. I it could be a closer even. But I'm happy with what I did for my closer. So I should have I should have added at least "Let's Ride" to my list. Third encore, final uh, encore. <laughs> It's the third encore. Um, and then my, what, what are we at? Eight? My eight, that was my nine. No, no, nine is. Nice. It, specifically for Mike's bass. Yeah. I just want to see this live. I had a feeling this would be on your list. Listen, it's just, yeah. Biker, what are you thinking? <laughs> I'm sure that I've heard that song live, but it's yes. it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, all right, closing Ten. out my set. Yep, Dolores. Oh <laughs> snap! I thought that would be a good like. You heard "Let's Ride." It's epic. You're kind of like ready to, um, you know, end the set maybe, and then it's like, wait a second, we're gonna go out on a high note here, people, and everybody goes nuts in the pit. Yeah, I would go crazy. So that's uh, that's the first. That's the proper set. What are you what are you closing with? Yeah, good call. Yeah, it it's 
it gets it's the right amount of energy i feel like yeah. for a closing song and yeah. especially yeah it's so fun yeah this Another one that was on my list for a long time and ultimately had to lose. There's no Buffalo songs on my list. And I have no, that's, see, that's, that's the bizarre thing. Like I have no new songs and you have no Buffalo songs. And that doesn't say anything about necessarily our love for either of those albums. Yeah. Uh, It does say something about the fact that there's no no secret weapon songs on my set. Uh, There's also no ever passing moment. So, um, what about or Pokemon Engine? Your encore. encore. All right. So you've done Let's Ride. You've done Dolores. Uh, here's where I'm I'm throwing a little bone to the idea of an acoustic song. Mike comes out by himself, does okay. Doing Time acoustic. Maybe, maybe Yuri's on a shaker or something. And yeah, my man. Wouldn't you be so excited? It was fun that he, he closed out yeah. Oktoberfest to this. I think it's a great one. It is. I thought about Secret Weapon. I was trying to think of a fun acoustic song, and it was not going to be Quit Your Life. Um, so I thought about Secret Weapon because we love that version too, but I think doing okay. time has got to make this up. So if, if, you, if you are, <laughs> if you're using, if you're able to stretch the what that it can look like with five iron <laughs> then i'm what stretching with mike moen i love it special guest <laughs> shanghai and shanghai i thought about this one too i would really like to hear this song live. again when i when i went with small town minds <laughs> um I would love to see Mikey <laughs> live. Um, Mikey when I went with Mo. Small Town Minds and then kind of far away too, I felt like that was kind of the hardcore segment was satisfied, but yeah. I thought about that song a lot. And then the final, final song, of course, I'm not going to change Punk Rock Show. I want to hear Punk Rock Show. <laughs> I think you're going against the rules. Am I? He said, what did he say about it? He said... You know that w- with a closer, I mean, w- that isn't punk rock show, of course. With with the exception of that, it's not punk rock show. Sure, but I guess if we're doing, we're already cheating anyway. We're though. doing, yeah, we're doing. <laughs> but I um, I also this this might surprise everybody. Can't wait. Wait, is this your two songs? I'm into it. With Louis D. Fabrizio. Yeah. You know I like this song. I know you do. But I, <clears throat> I think it would be fun to have totally. some special guests. And then be like, no, it's not your fault. <laughs> do that at life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a great song. And I'm, and Riker would lose his mind. <laughs> If Louis D came out, it'd be exciting. Um, but I, I was listening to this the other day when putting this together, and it's a solid song. Yeah. And it's one of the handful of songs on this album I. Yeah. 
I did the five. I did the mental tally of the handful of secret weapon songs I'd really want to see live, and I was just like, nah, none of them make the cut. So yeah, it is a great song though. Yep. So uh, unless we could get Brian I mean, Baker, the, <laughs> that would be exciting. Yep. Uh. Should we run down them real quick then? Yep. Okay. Why don't you run down yours first? Open it up with Rolling Strong, then Darkest Places, Play It Loud, Friday Tonight, Middle Name, Small Town Mind, Slash First Class Mail, Heard That Sound, Far Away, Let's Ride, Dolores, Come Back In, Acoustic Doing Time, and then Punk Rock Show closes it out. I have... Um... Did I skip one of mine? Well, you said one of them was combined two songs or something, didn't you? I think I might have skipped a song. Um, Theme Fiasco was my opener, followed by Darkest Places. Did I mention Young and Depressed? Yes. Okay. So Darkest Places, Young and Depressed. Then Time Brings Change, Americanism, Study Humans, Begin to Start, Rock and Roll Girl, New York to Nowhere, Under Lock and Key, Encore, with uh, Shanghai and Shanghai with with special guest Mike Moen, and You're on Fire with special guest Louis DeFabrizio. I support it. A show I would enjoy being at very much. Yes, Um, and as we all know, no MXPX show would only be 10 slash 12 songs. No. Yeah, mostly this just made me excited to see them slash sad that this set this set can't we'll become reality because <laughs> <laughs> yes. I really want to see this set. Now. You mean the, the, the set that would have five iron or <laughs> maybe Mike Moen just show up yeah, man. or uh study humans. <laughs> can I, but can I, I just want to toss out uh, Riker, uh, his, this is not toss him out, but a shout out rather. Uh-huh. just want to toss out Riker. Just toss him out the window. Striker. We're done. No, I want to shout out Riker for this. Very thoughtful, fun experiment and little, and I would encourage everybody to do this because it's a challenge, it's fun, and you end up with a kind of like mini playlist of songs. Yeah. Um, But um, also shout out that he said that he would have study humans and a bunch of panic. Yeah. He didn't say... Obviously, I'm gonna have only like right. you know before everything and after and it's secret weapon. But he's yeah. like, he mentioned like two of our like yeah. highest rated records. True, you know, gotta gotta love him for that. I mean, for sure, I would love to see. I w- I would love to see just like a panic straight Ugh. through performance. Maybe they'll do that. That'd be sick. What are we coming up on here? That was 05, right? Yeah. So, so we're maybe for yeah 2020. <laughs> We got some time here, or fifteen. Fifteen, yeah, that, that could work. Yeah, I'd um, be, I'd be into that for sure. Um, but we do have just a uh, couple more voicemails. Here we go. What's up, my boys? Is your boy Danny Stairs? Just we couldn't have an episode if we didn't have a Danny Stairs voicemail. Would not be a man. Call it. It's uh, listen to the podcast. Uh, taking a little offense at John. Same party in my house be there. The shit song. Hating on people who like that song. Uh, I, you know, I was really vibing with John for the last couple episodes. Uh, now, you know, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to think. Uh, I thought he was a cool dude. I thought he was chill, but 
normally it's Andrew who hates on the fans, but now we got John hating on fans. It's just it's a complete role reversal. I don't even know what to do. Anyhow, uh, I hope the rest of that gets better. Uh, talk to you guys soon. Magpod for life. Bye. So thanks, man. Yes, um, <laughs> though he shit all over us at the beginning, specifically Still you for life. He uh, he ends. So guys, your boy Danny stares again. Uh, it's calling to give a big thank you. Uh, another great app. Um, but what really sealed it for me was just, you know, a Tiger jacket at the end. That's what the oh. fans want. <laughs> they come here for the MXPX, but they stay for the Tiger. That's right. All right, guys, thanks. Have a good week. Magpie for life. <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to point out that Party was not on your set either, so direct some of this hate Andrew's way. <laughs> what? <laughs> just God kidding. damn it. <laughs> no, no. Um, Buffalo sucks. <laughs> It's my third favorite record of theirs, and yes. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I think uh, let the record show that uh, John and I have slowly both at the number three record. Yeah, right. So you all can <laughs> kiss our assholes. <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, is that it? I think. All right. I think that's it. So. We've we've been trying to schedule uh, an interview with Jared since October. Mm-hmm. I think we we first talked to him about it at Punktoberfest, right? And this is literally <laughs> the first opportunity yeah. that we've had. He's a busy dude. It was we, worth it, though. It was worth it. We had a great conversation, a as you're about to see here. Either way. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Maybe some people, people can some people see, see sounds. Yeah, sounds. <laughs> what's that? Uh, what's that called? Synesthesia. Again? Synesthesia. Yeah. That's right. Uh, look it up, people. Um, but yeah, it took a while to to lock down this interview. It was a great talk, and I hope you enjoy it. So here is our interview with our boy Jer Scott. Hey, Jared. hi! Can you hear us? I can. All right. So joining us today on the show, we have Jared Scott, best known as the MXPX photographer. You've seen some of his work on covers such as Plans Within Plans, the Left Coast Punk EP, and most recently the coffee table book that they did with the MXPX Kickstarter featuring... Um, many, if not all of, I think all of Jared's, uh, photos. So, uh, we're, we're happy to have on Magnified Pod, Jared Scott. Jared, thanks for being here. What if I was just quiet for like <laughs> an awkwardly long time? <laughs> well, um, instead of, you know, you know, that would, that would, that would, that would be fine too, you know? <laughs> Um, it's, it's up to you. This is, this is your time. I mean, if, uh, if anybody out there has sweet, has seen MXPX doing any sweet punk jumps off of drum risers in <laughs> photography form, that's, yeah. that's thanks to Jared. So there's, there's yeah. a lot to be reverent about here. That is true. <laughs> I mean, I could also take your silence as, well, let me just say more about how amazing he is and all of his yeah. accomplishments. I could do that. We'll do it. 
See, um, yeah. There you will you know you will know his um, face from his Instagram, where he takes um, amazing pictures. Yeah. Um, Twitter, all of Jared Scott. Um, so this has been a, a long time coming. I think we would have had an easier time getting an interview with Obama at, <laughs> at this point. Um, he's a busy guy. He's a busy guy. Oh, uh, man. Not so, normally. It's, no, it's one of those, I'm sure people say that kind of stuff a lot, but I mean it. Like, my life is usually not very busy. Sure. And uh, it, it's funny that it just kind of coincided with us trying to do this, that yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, my life did get busy. I mean, if you want to let us down easy, Jared, it's fine. You can just be like, yeah, these these two jabronis trying to talk to me over here. Dude, I mean, pe- people do not use the term jabroni enough. <laughs> we trying are, to bring uh, it back. I know. We're I saving the uh, we're saving the Obama interview for the tumble down pod anyway, so it's <laughs> yes, it's, oh, okay, good. it's cool. Yeah. We got we got Barry coming on, and he's yep. got some. Yeah. He's, he's look, uh, uh, Mike Carrera. Is, <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> took two minutes to get into an impression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Obama is not my best work. He's a tough one. He's he's tough, but um, so Jerry. Hey, at least you try. At least you try. Yeah, I give it. I give it. I give the old college try. Yeah, I mean, it's racist, but whatever. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, nowhere to go, but up nope. from here. No. <laughs> we're, you know, we're just a few minutes into the podcast, and already <laughs> I'm a horrible racist. Damn yeah. it. Just like every week. Just, I just yep. cut, I cut through stuff, man. I just get to it. <laughs> Please do. We, we don't have all the time in the world, so, you know, you got to give us, give us your hot takes on everything. <laughs> sure. Hot takes, man. Hot takes. <laughs> Drop them. <laughs> speaking of speaking of hot takes, um, we were talking about the fact that I think we all got into MXPX around the same time, um, and kind of punk more broadly um, as kids. And you'd mentioned uh, Green Day's Dookie, uh, Goldfinger, Offspring, Smash. I think you mentioned all those on uh, yep. Mike's pod. And uh, hot take: those were some seminal records for me as well. Um, I think those were on ramps into punk for me and probably for a lot of kids, but we were all in high school bands, uh, three of us during uh, the tooth and nail boom. Um, I think we share a a similar background as as far as how we got into MXPX and and punk and and specifically like Christian punk in general. So it's cool to uh, connect with you and we'll get into some of this stuff. Yeah, let's do it. So, um, we don't want to necessarily rehash every um, point that you brought up on Mike's podcast, but for some people that maybe haven't caught that, didn't catch that podcast, can you talk about um, how you first came about listening to MXPX? What was the first album you heard? and how you kind of um, got into this whole journey of being their photographer. Yeah. Um, So being in, like, middle school in the, like, mid-90s, like, late mid-90s, or, sorry, early mid-90s, like, 94, 95, I had some friends that were listening to, like, music I'd never heard, um, like I was uh, riding in a van 
uh, to our school. We were a small school that I was at at the time, and we didn't have a real football team. We had a flag football team. and uh, So this definitely wasn't in Texas. No, no, no. Yeah, small, small town in California. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> one of the guys uh, was sitting in the back, uh, who was a friend of mine, and he had a cassette tape, and it was some band I'd never heard of. And I remember it though, because it had a cartoon drawing and I thought that was interesting. Hmm. Uh, and, and then at the time had no idea, listened to it for a minute and was like, this sounds like garbage. And I <laughs> gave it back to him. And later when I realized years down the road, what that was, uh, when I was reminiscing was, uh, he was listening to no effects's, uh, first live record. I oh, heard yeah. this suck live. Coop. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And so, um, so I just kind of had a few of those, like, you know, I had some friends in, in middle school that were listening to like Green Day and mm-hmm. the Vandals and things like that. And being in California, you know, we had access, a lot of those bands were coming and playing in our small town. Um, so I was familiar, getting familiar with names and things like that. But essentially, I was just listening to stuff like Green Day, The Offspring, Weezer, uh, whatever was like kind of becoming popular on the radio that I kind of like connected with or took to. And, uh, it was the day after or so, uh, we graduated eighth grade. Uh, my friend and I were going to an amusement park with his family and we're sitting in his van driving down and I was listening to my one Goldfinger CD and he was listening to his one CD. And when we finished, uh, we just opened up our disc men and we swapped CDs <laughs> and we kept listening to music and a couple songs in, I stopped and I was like, I paused it and I asked about the band cause I was like, what, this is really good. I really like this. And they seem to be singing about God. Like what the mm-hmm. heck for it? You know, I didn't, I didn't know that this existed. Sure. And he's like, Oh yeah, it's this band called MXPX. And, uh, at the time it was uh two th- or it was teenage politics. Yeah. So, Damn right. Us too. <clears throat> so that's, yeah, that was my first album that I heard of theirs and, um, just really took to like the energy and the speed. And at the time, the message, like I was like, Oh man, they're like singing about girls and skateboarding and God. And, <laughs> Oh, this is like my life. Uh, and I, uh, I just, I don't know what it was, but I just got in like a hundred percent, like yep. was so into it. And I remember going and then finding like uh Poconaccia. Yeah. And then I think it might've been that summer. Uh, we went to like church camp for a week and our, it was like me and that same friend and one other guy uh, went with our youth pastor. Cause he was uh, like the guest speaker. And so he brought us with, and, um, one night they were doing a, uh, uh, some kind of competition type thing. And it was like trivia and you got up against one other person. And the first person to answer the question, right. Got to pick a CD from the table or maybe he was giving a CD away or whatever. And, uh, I remember I got picked and I got up and, uh, it was like, I had to name like uh, I don't know if it was all of or most of the Gilligan's Island cast. <laughs> and I just rattled him off and uh, won. And he had a CD and I was like, I looked over at the table and I saw another MXPX CD. And I was like, can I have that one? 
And he's like, yeah, sure. And so then I got on the cover and I was like, oh man, I got like three of their albums now. This is awesome. And (laughs) then it just kept going from there, you know, like um, I'd pop into the Christian bookstore and they had uh, the move to Bremerton EP. And I was like, new, oh my gosh. And I bought that (laughs) and was all excited. And then I knew that life in general was coming out and my sister said she would buy it for Christmas. Uh, And so I like I had, that was the dumbest thing back then, like letting my sister buy an album and having to wait like two months to listen to it. Right. Uh, luckily, the guy that uh, gave me rides to school, he had it. Uh, and so we listened to it on the way to school. But I get to listen to like, I don't know, two songs a day because our ride wasn't very right. far. Um, but man, those were the two or, you know, that was the best, like, six minutes of my day <laughs> to listen to Life in General. And then I got it for Christmas, and I just, I would not stop listening to that record. And uh, that, and I think that was the same time that they put out their first Christmas song. Okay. Um, and I, I remember, because I was back in Chicago visiting family, and it was snowing, and uh, every time we would get in the car to go to, like, a different family uh you know, house for some sort of celebration. I would listen to that Christmas song like two or three times and then life in general. That's awesome. We have exactly the same MXPX uh, origin story. <laughs> I got teenage politics first. I did not um, get a CD from my church camp, but I did steal an MXPX poster off the wall of my youth group. Yeah, um, I did that too. I <laughs> nice. stole one from, from the youth group that was like our youth group's rival. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was there and they had posters up and I remember being like, oh man, I'm going to ask, but if they say no at the end, I'm taking that. <laughs> yeah. I just took mine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I also got life in general for Christmas. I don't know if I shared that detail <laughs> before, but you saying that really triggered, uh, yeah. yeah, unwrapping it and seeing the little punk. Uh, yep. <laughs> so that, um, yes, very similar. I remember, I remember asking for life in general for Christmas and um, weren't your grandparents like opposed to it (laughs) so my grandparents i don't know if they like saw the cover of it and were like opposed to it so instead of getting life in general for christmas i got on the cover for christmas um that's not a bad deal it's not a bad deal i still got an mxpx record but still you know you want you want that record so Um, you know not Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Well, I was going to, it was just going to be another question um, about. Uh, oh, well, then I want to, I want to make fun of your grandma real quick. Okay, please, please on. do. So I, I apologize that you had such a shitty grandma because <laughs> my grandma, <laughs> dude, my grandma bought me my first uh, MXPX fan club membership. Nice. She is that into supporting this stuff and she would. I mean, when I when I would go and visit and stuff, like she knew that band. She would ask me questions about them and stuff. So, well, uh, this is she was th- red. This is the same grandma who bought me the music inspired by the Passion of the Christ, <laughs> featuring Ooh, MXPX, featuring yes. MXPX with One the Empire. One of their best songs. One of their best songs. It's a it's a pretty great song. You know, it is Mark Mark Hoppus and he and, loves the Passion. <laughs> yeah that, yeah, he... that always boggled my mind though. i was like <laughs> it's weird okay at that time when they did that song i definitely had you know 
I, I didn't know them back then. And I remember just questioning, like, why did they do this song yeah. for this record? Because I feel like they have not been, you know, like identifying as a Christian band for some time now. Right. But I was like, okay, that's cool. And then to hear Mark come on, I'm like, why the hell is he on this song? <laughs> it is yeah. confusing. Well, you know, they there's some sort of, you know, I think I think Mike, um, uh, and uh, Mark should collab more because mm-hmm. I I like the songs, the couple songs that they've. At least yeah. the two songs that they've done right. together that I know of. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, I wanted to follow up about teenage politics. Yeah. 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 Because, um, so on this podcast, we we get a little, uh, we get a, not too much heat, but we we carry the torch hard for teenage politics, and we've interviewed Bob Moon because of his connection to that record. And so that album still means quite a bit to both of us. We recently did our top 10 records, MXPX records, and we both ranked it at number one. So, yeah, (laughs) I know. So I'm curious uh, what that album means to you now versus when you first heard it. Um, I, I mean, I think like a lot of that kind of music, like, you know, we, we grew up in a time where that music was just a few years ahead of us. So they were essentially like our peers. Right. And because it was, you know, a little, uh, immature at the time or uninformed fully or things like that, like it still holds a place, but it's so different now because, Again, with some of that kind of stuff, you know, you're like, I don't know if I believe in that or I don't know if I believe in communicating it that way or, you know, are you talking talking specifically about some of the ways uh, the certain theological points that Mike is conveying throughout the record? I think some of that or some of like the corniness of things, (laughs) you know, like there's some cheese for sure. Yeah, and and not that any of that's bad. No. It's just, you know, like when you're young, you don't really think about it or it doesn't bother you at all. And then as you get older, you're like, "Uh, I don't know if I enjoy singing the word schmolitics as much. (laughs) Uh, Still sounds great to me. at the same time, yeah. And I mean, I think what ends up making certain records like more important is, you know, when they hit you and yes. what's going on in your life at that time. And if your life's just like hum dum like fine or whatever, then maybe that record doesn't really hit. But if you're going through things or you're, you know, breaking up with a girlfriend or you're trying to like figure out like what the world is or, you know, different things like that, I think that can help records stick. And um, so I think for me, like it holds a place because it was definitely an, a, a gateway uh, into like really getting into punk rock, like, you know, the tooth and nail bands, but then like one of my best still to this day, best friends, um, he grew up in the church and he was listening to some of that. But like when I would go to him and be like, Hey man, have you heard this band dogwood? He'd be like, no, but have you heard no use for a name? Have you Mm -hmm. heard, you know, strung out? And he would share with me, 
you know, where all of the tooth and nail bands were keep being inspired from sure kind of thing. And so, um, so it, it, it definitely like a record like teenage politics holds like a very nostalgic place for me. Uh, whereas like, I think some people look at life in general that way. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, that record's still like the best record. It's not yeah. nostalgic. I still just think like those songs are badass. <laughs> There's um, nostalgia edges out. Um, yeah. Like, cause you know, I think we both had life in general at number two. Yeah. Um, but we were also talking about teenage politics is not their objectively best record, but it's still sure. our favorite record. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, and that's, yeah, that's big too. Do but you see, I think too, like there are records like that where like if I put on, uh, let's say a random MXPX record in my car with friends that are familiar with them, they might just be like, Oh, whatever. But there are those records or those songs. And I think teenage politics is one of them that when you play stuff off that, it's so nostalgic for somebody who mm-hmm. grew up during that time that they get really excited about it and yeah. they sing along and they're like really happy. And so that's why I think that record would hold like a, a, a place for me above some others in some way, because it does have that power where like when you start listening to a certain song, all of a sudden you're transported. Like, um, when they did uh, the three nights at the Troubadour uh, playing all the different records, you know, and songs off them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to go to the first two nights and the first night was, I think, Poconaccia, Teenage Politics and Life in General songs. So jealous. Oh, that's amazing. And, and, and it was so cool hearing a bunch of these Teenage Politics songs because I never really heard those live. You know, by the time I came into like working with them and stuff, they weren't playing any of that stuff right. ever. You know, so I, anytime, every time Mike <clears throat> has been doing one of these Instagram live streams or Facebook live streams, I'm always on there being like, study humans, bro. <laughs> Play some study humans. Um, and he does not. He does not. Yeah. A lot of those songs I don't think translate super well <laughs> to, to acoustic. Uh, acoustic. <laughs> Although when we just saw him play acoustic recently, he said he almost played Teenage Politics. So I would have liked to have heard Schmalitics over kind of an acoustic. He did sound. play yeah. that recently on one okay. of the live streams. Perfect. But yeah, yeah, I think he played it the night after I saw you guys at the private show that he uh. did. That's because those private, those private show people are smart and probably requested it. Yeah. Yeah. When he plays for us, it's just going to be study humans 10 times. (laughs) Yeah. See, like, I don't want to hear those songs acoustic. Like I want to hear them fast and thrashy, you know? And so when I saw them, you know, at that LA show and they started playing money tree, I was like, Oh yes. Do you have it made me, it made me feel like the old days, like when I grew up, you know, going to see them play in high school and stuff. Like right. I remember, I think it was my senior year or maybe a year later, uh, some friends of mine, we drove up and went and saw them play in San Francisco and we were standing outside in line and, uh, somebody must've opened the door to go out on the side or have a smoke or something. And we could hear them sound checking and they were sound checking something like uh, "Foolish" off "Ever Passing Moment," oh. mm-hmm. and I and we had never heard those songs live yet, and That's so cool. I remember wow. standing there and just being like, "Oh yes!" And they didn't play that song that night, but we got to hear it in some form, you know. And so, yeah. 
it is fun when you get to hear some of those kind of things and you get to see like the joy and the silly and whatever mm-hmm. come out. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you have like a go-to number one fave album? Yeah. I mean, life in general is yeah. probably always going to be my, sure. not only, I mean, not only my favorite MX record, but I think it's my all time personal favorite record of anything. It's a, it's you, a it's, big one. It's a solid, it's a solid <laughs> choice. Yeah. It's there are um, so there on life in general verse versus some of the other records like we just said teenage politics have a passing moment. There are not as many cringe like unfortunate <laughs> yeah. moments yeah. on right. that record, and you know I think it says something too about uh, the Kravak years. Um, and what he did with the band and the tightness of Buffalo and life in general. And, uh, and, you know, you mentioned, um, foolish and, you know, that's a a song that in re-listening to it in recent years has always landed a bit you know, difficult, a little bit, a little bit hard on my ears in terms of the, the lyrical content. But, uh, I, I do think as Mike has grown and, is, and evolved as a, as a songwriter, um, I mean, I can't, I, I can't say enough good things about the new record. I think as a, as a songwriter, he has yeah, matured so much and, uh, so I'm I'm just thrilled with this what they've been putting out this year. It's it's a 2018 is a great year for MXPX fans. Yeah, it was. It was a good time. You uh, one of the things you said too was that um, kind of one of the reasons you got into MXPX was sort of the questioning aspect of some of their lyrics and like the message that can that it conveyed that they were clearly um talking about faith but also um raising questions within that and um that's something we could definitely relate to we've talked a lot about um you know part of the reason we got into punk was was for the questions it was raising and making us think and and not being um like putting the faith that we had in a box and stuff so were there other artists around that time and then others still today that were doing that for you too uh, yeah. I mean, I think bands <clears throat> like, uh, I think like Dogwood and Five Iron Frenzy yeah. in the Christian scene were that for me. Mm-hmm. They, they seem to be writing about bigger topics, um, not just girls and not just God, you know, right. they seem to be writing on other things. Like, um, there's an old Dogwood song that I still listen to. That's like, you know, talking about like inclusion and like, making sure like that guy's okay and that he's part of the group or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, and just like taking the time to write stuff about that. Uh, five iron, you know, had a ton of like history or history based songs yeah. and things like that. Native I, I think Americans, they, right. Yeah. They were, they were a very, to me, very intelligent band like, yeah. writing about bigger things and questioning big things and stuff. And, um, and then, uh, you know, for good or bad, I felt like no effects did that. Uh, for me um you know 
just different songs that they had about spirituality uh, over all the years. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think most of the problems Fat Mike has and sings about with Christianity are pretty valid points. Sure. I feel yeah. like he, like when he writes something and says like, this is all a joke and it's all based on this myth, like that kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that. So it doesn't bother me. But right. when he says stuff about like, you know, how people believe what they believe for this reason or how they treat people because they have power. I'm like, yep, you're right, man. Mm-hmm. Like, so, uh, and, uh, I, uh, later years, like at the end of high school, uh, I got introduced to rise against and mm-hmm. they became that for me. Just sure. a band that was like always singing songs about, you know, issues and social justice and things like that. Totally. For sure. Um, and while we're in the, kind of the discussion about um beliefs and um christianity and everything that you had mentioned uh on mike's podcast that you went to a bible college where did you go i went to a school in los angeles called biola oh yeah 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 uh what were you what were you studying while you were there uh, I was in the Christian education major. Um, I was essentially studying to be a youth pastor. Did you like move forward with that or did like, uh, the photography interrupt some of those plans? Yes. And no to both of those, all of those. <laughs> um, so when I got to school, uh, I think it was my second semester there. Uh, and I went in late, like I was 23, 24 when I started there because I had taken some time off and I had, uh, done community college and things like that. So, but when I got, got there, I, I felt like I was there to, you know, get a degree in two years in youth ministry and then, you know, get out of there and go work at a church. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, serious about everything. And, in my second semester, I met a new professor in my uh, major, and right in like my first class with him, I was like, "This guy's awesome. He he seems to be like super legit. I want to meet with him and have him like mentor me." And so, uh, twice a month, him and I would get together and we would talk, and he would do that. And um, it was in one of my, I think it was my last semester, uh, at one point we were having lunch and he, you know, asked me the question, what do you got, you know, planned when you leave in a few months? And I said, well, I'm going to go try to get a job at a church because that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. And he's like, I don't know. I said, are you, are you kidding? Like you've (laughs) spent the last two years, like training me and teaching me on these, you know, different topics and things to prepare me to go do this. And that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. And he's just like, I don't think it's for everybody. Like, I don't think that is what you have to do. And, uh, him sort of saying that I think gave me like this little bit of permission Mm -hmm. uh, to, to think for the first time, you know, to be like, Ooh. And so, um, uh, prior to getting to school at Biola, I, I did have like this one day in, in my house where I was praying and uh, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And I had this uh, conversation and 
it essentially went like this. Uh, I was sitting and it was quiet and I heard this voice in my head say, Jared, why don't you go hang out with famous people? And I went, ha that sounds stupid. And, uh, no, thank you. And then, you know, I tried to like sit and, and, uh, continue to be quiet and same thing came back and I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm, are we having a conversation? All right. Well, this sounds like a stupid idea. Why, why would I hang out with famous people? I don't know any famous people. Uh, how, how am I going to do that? I didn't, you know, I like musicians or what? And, and then again, the response that I heard was, yeah, where are people hanging out with, you know, Green Day and Blink-182 in my name? And I was like, I don't know, but that's not me. And uh, I just continued this conversation and this in my head, this argument of like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. I don't know anybody. I don't have any skill set. I don't uh I don't see how this would work because they probably hang out during the day and I'll have to have a job and then, you know, I'll go to their show if this is what you want me to do. And, oh, yeah, when I'm at their show, they're performing. So we're not hanging out. Oh, afterwards. Well, then they got to go home or sorry, I got to go home because I got a job the next day. So I'm not going to hang out with them there. So, haha. Nice try. That's not going to happen. Um, <clears throat> but then if you fast forward two years, having this professor say, maybe there's a different option for you, uh, made me think, oh, man, I just got back into photography this last year and over the last few months actually have been shooting bands. And what if that's what I'm supposed to go do? And... The next day, I was like, yeah, maybe it is what I'm supposed to go do. I'm going to go do that. Uh, and then the next day, I started booking things with bands. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. So I just pivoted and started walking down that path saying, all right, like maybe if I view life through this lens of like trying to help people and just being there for people, why do I have to do it at a church? Hmm. And Why can't I do it like this? And so I just took off and went after the music industry. Was that around the time then that you were kind of joining Noggin Toboggan's team? No, that was years earlier than that. Okay. Uh, so let's see. Me getting into photo was about 2007. Me playing in Noggin was around 2002. So like five years earlier than that. Okay. So... Yeah, quite a quite a gap. But when you um, when you started getting involved with with photo with bands and stuff, was that mainly sort of in the the Christian alternative music scene? You know, was that still booming when you picked that up, or was it was it broader than that? Um, it, you know, it's funny. It it, it was broader, um, but at the same time, um, a lot of the bands that I ended up starting out with, I think could have had like unofficial connections and ties to, uh, the Christian scene. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and it was just all, it was just all random. Like it wasn't, you know, intentional, but I think through some of the people that I knew that led me to like, 
you know, I worked with like Reliant K and I worked with Sherwood and I worked with the Rocket Summer and it's like mm-hmm. all those bands, you know, are semi-connected in the Christian scene or once were or something like that. So I sort of just like fell into that, you know, it wasn't the plan or anything, but it happened mm-hmm. uh, right out of the gate. And then that just introduced me to more people. And then that introduced me to like, you know, warp tour and things like that. And from there, it just kind of spread into other areas of like, yeah, I'm meeting other people and I'm working with other people. And, um, but yeah, it definitely started with like a little bit of a Christian, uh, base unintentionally. Mm-hmm. When did it sort of become surreal for you? Because shooting, you know, some, you know, maybe lesser known Christian bands is one thing, but did you ever have a moment where you're like, holy shit, I'm photographing this person or this band. This is, I, this is getting a little crazy. Uh, I don't think it's ever stopped being that. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I, I definitely, um, I see all of this. Like when I, when I work with bands that I like, uh, or that I've grown up listening to, like I am a hundred percent like fan, fan guy, you know, just right. like, this is amazing. I can't believe this is happening. Even if I like a few months ago, the smoking popes played down here in Atlanta and I went and saw them and, uh, there was maybe 15 or 20 people in the venue, which is ridiculous wow. to me. Um, and, you know, I got there early and was talking with Josh for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then when they played, I'm taking some photos and filming a little bit. But I was like filming because I'm like, I just want this. Like, this is one of my f- all time favorite bands. And so the whole time I'm like, this is so weird that this is my life, you know, yeah. that I get to work with these people that have like at different times in my life really meant something because you know, of the positivity they've injected into it or the thoughts they've like provoked or the encouragement I've found or the peace or, you know, so I, I, it's all been surreal, like every step of the way, um, you know, and even different nights with the same bands and stuff like, you know, to be in a room with a band and, uh, and sit, you know, shooting in front of, you know, the stage in the barricade is one thing, but then, the right. next night if I'm with them and I'm sitting behind the drums or whatever and looking out at 2000 people, I'm like, Whoa, this is awesome. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, to run, so, to run down yeah. a list of just some of the, um, artists that you photographed, whether on stage or otherwise, um, MXPX, of course, against me, Red City Radio, Newfound Glory, Sum 41, Green Day, No Doubt, uh, My Chemical Romance. Uh, I mean, some, not bad. It's not. It's not bad. <laughs> right. Um, are Are you? Uh, are there any artists that you like? You would consider to be like your boys that you're uh, you're close with. Or maybe your girl, maybe you're close with Gwen Stefani. I don't know. No, no. (laughs) Um, I will say with the Gwen one, that was just at a festival. Sure. And uh, I I literally, I took my first photo of her when she came to like the side of the stage that I was at. 
And then I had to like put my camera down for a second because I was just like, there's no way she's this beautiful. This is insane. (laughs) And I just stood there in shock, you know. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, yeah, I've got three songs. I got to get to work. (laughs) I Um, remember seeing them in like eighth grade and being like, I'm in the same room as Gwen Stefani. (laughs) Yes, right? There's just something about her. It's it's funny. Um, No, so what? What I found was when I started working with bands, the first time I went and shot a band is always a little awkward. You know, you're just kind of making small talk if you have any interaction whatsoever. Uh, The second time, it's a little bit more comfortable. And, you know, maybe you have a dialogue or a little story or whatever. And the third time for me, uh, I found that I had moved into becoming friends with these people. Mm -hmm. So... Like right in the beginning, bands like MX or Sherwood or Reliant K or The Rocket Summer or whatever, it quickly moved into that place of like, oh, cool, we're like buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as the years have gone on um, and like with certain bands, maybe I don't work with as much or maybe they're not actually a band anymore or whatever. Some of those relationships have dwindled, um, but... I would say there is a good handful of guys that I would consider like my closest friends that are from uh, working together in music. Hmm. Um, Like uh, Ethan Luck is one of those guys when I worked with him and Reliant K and then uh, some of his other projects along the way. um, uh, We just, we had a relationship and then um, at the time there were two uh, other guys in Reliant K both named John and I became really close with them. So like when I would go out on tour with them or anything like that, the three of those guys and myself, we were always hanging out and, you know, I've spent time at those guys' houses. I've traveled to visit them and spent like a week at their houses. Uh, Matt, they... Matt Thiessen was hanging with Katy Perry or something at that, at that <laughs> yeah, time. No, not, yeah, I think that was before me, okay. Okay. before my time. <laughs> but like, yeah, those guys became so close. Like they all wrote songs uh, for my wedding. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, uh, I was like, oh man, I'm going to do this fun thing for my wedding. I'm going to have my musician friends secretly write like, love songs and make a compilation CD for my wife. That's amazing. And give it out as our party favor to the guests and stuff. And so all three of those guys in Reliant did it. And uh, Mike wrote us a song and my buddy in Cutlass wrote a song. And, um, and we even got (laughs) through Reliant K we became friends uh, with this guy named Tom Wilson, who's a comedian and actor. Uh, best yeah, he known, is. Yeah, uh, best as known Biff. as Biff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so he, you know Tom Wilson? Oh, yeah. He also wrote a song for our wedding. What? This is incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, because Back to the Future <laughs> is like, those films are like my favorite films of all time. Yeah. And he's... And he's amazing. Dude, he is. I mean, I, now, just seeing those movies, if I never met him, I would have assumed, like, because he's a good actor, I would have assumed, oh, that Tom Wilson guy is a dick. He's a dick. Uh, yeah. But he is one of the kindest people I've ever met, and he definitely is one of the funniest people I've ever met. That's amazing. Um, well, the, his, uh, I mean, that that song that he wrote 
Yeah, uh, stop about, asking me the question. Stop asking me the question. Oh yeah, is is so genius, good. but. I mean, his his role on Freaks and Geeks yep. was also yep. super so super amazing and so good. nuanced and interesting. Yep. So, in conclusion, if yeah. you want to send us that CD, that would be fine. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. When can you just send us, us your super personal wedding songs? <laughs> then oh, we'll review yeah, we'll review them on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. If we yeah, write no a song about you, then I think it's fair that we get the other. Yeah, songs. <laughs> that's the trade off. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So. Uh, Somebody that seems like a really cool dude that I've been that you I know that you've photographed, but uh, Garrett Dale seems like a cool uh, a cool dude. I hope he I hope he is. But have you you've have you like connected with him outside? Yeah. Of- uh, well, we we I met him when he jumped on the tour I was on shooting for Newfound Glory. They came out for about a week of the tour and that's when i first met those guys and then uh when they would travel through california after that i would go and shoot them and uh and then i think they've flown me to la twice now since i moved away uh to do stuff and then just a few months ago i shot their drummer dallas's (coughs) wedding um in oklahoma but i love those guys they're all very very kind very sweet gentlemen and uh uh, Garrett, I especially love in uh, a nerdy way because I I wouldn't have guessed this. I, I you know by judging him by just you know the way that he sings yeah, and the his, way he carries himself. Yeah. He's this great like punk rocker. Yeah, his and gruff the, voice. Yeah, and the first day that he jumped on the tour and had come into the dressing room, he's like, "Any you guys see this new Avengers trailer?" And I was just <laughs> like, "Oh, let's talk." <laughs> So he's That's like cool. a big, big dork at heart, and that it. made me very happy. So yeah, he's he's a sweetie. Um, kind of along the lines of talking about you know your role with bands changing the more you got involved with them. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about how your role with MXPX has evolved and changed um, with them since you first got involved? Yeah, I mean, so when I first did anything, it was just shooting a show uh, because I asked my friend if I could get in through him and he said sure uh and then that just turned into me asking michelle if i could shoot another thing and another thing and her saying yes and like i said after about the third time uh it kind of made us a little bit more familiar uh and then mike had hit me up about wanting a photo for tumble down stuff and i you know was this hungry new photographer so i was always looking to like do more things. And when he asked me for a photo for a tour, I was like, well, dude, if you guys are coming down this way, like, why don't we do some shows together and do some like press photos and stuff? And he's like, that's a great idea. So I ended up doing a little bit of stuff with them. And then because him and I, you know, did stuff for uh, like a week together and then more MX shows, it made it easy when I was doing my first like little um, solo tour for alternative press to uh, try to include them. And it coincided with where I was going to be. And I was like, Hey, uh, I'm going to be doing this thing and covering it and getting a few pages and AP. What if I came on tour with you guys for a couple of days? And they were like, sure. 
And so um, I did that. And then again, it was just like trying to like move things into more things. So after that, I think during that little like stint of a couple shows, they were talking about on the cover too. And I was like, how about you dress up like the bands you're covering and do photos and uh, you let me do the photos. And they're like, cool. Dude, that's like, a, it's a, it's a genius idea because those I've, photos were fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and that's how I always approach things is like a fan. I'm like, what would I like to see? I'd right. like to see this. So we are, uh, we're on record as saying the photography for that booklet is probably like our favorite <laughs> MXPX shoot. It's, nice. it's so good. Can you tell us a little bit about the that pro- shoot? The proclaimers on its own. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, I, I, I thought that was just low hanging fruit. I was like, why not dress like the bands that you're covering? And we'll just find like, you know, the more iconic photo of sure. each artist that we can. And then let's, see how we can recreate that you know either in a studio setting or at uh you know around like bremerton and um and so they were into it and they flew me up and uh i want to say it was a really weird thing because i think we shot it over two days but they were it was like a friday and a monday because they had to go to Alaska that weekend and play like some warp tour one day thing. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, my, my thing was like, let's be silly. I, I like you guys, so I don't want to like do anything that makes you look stupid, but like, let's have fun with it yeah. and let's, you know, if we're going to do it, let's do it. And so they were all on board, you know, and uh, like Tom's wife came and did makeup for the girls' photos and for the uh, and for poison, poison. poison. Mike looked great. Yes. Yep. And I will. I mean, I I think it goes without saying, but like Tom was so pumped to to (laughs) dress up like that and have makeup on. And at the time, I was really surprised because that was new to me to be like, oh, I didn't know Tom enjoys cross dressing so much. Um, (laughs) This is this is news to me. Yeah, he, he had in, a good I'm time. I'm super into it. It's easy. Oh, he was. And, <laughs> and, and and I learned this I probably through that shoot, that when you're doing stuff with artists or a band, you definitely have to have one of the the band members, you know, total buy-in yeah, or sure. the most persuasive band member yeah. on your side to do stuff because, you know, you need people who are willing to, like, get down. Sure. Yeah. Um, so just going off what you were saying about what fans would want to see, uh, considering you were a fan first, how has your relationship with the band evolved over the last decade? And how do you navigate that business friendship dynamic? Um, I mean, for me, I've always been terrible at business, so I've never really treated it like a business. I just am like, hey, this is an amazing thing to be a part of. And I feel like, you know, the fact that now I'm 11, almost 12 years in with them, and that for most of that, 
I've been one of, or at most times the only person that was doing anything. Like I feel like I'm a part of the crew, the team, sure. you know, et cetera. And so because of that, like, it makes me appreciative because it's more than just being like, I got hired to come and take some photos. Right. It's like, you know, they can pick anybody to be on their team. Uh, just like, you know, if you're running a business and someone fits or doesn't fit, you hire or fire, et cetera. But doing something like a band is a little different than that in the sense that like, you really want to gel with the people that you're working with in this setting because then you live together. Like you sleep in beds together and shared hotel rooms or you're living in a tiny bus together and you know, it's your apartment. So the fact that like they want that, you know, with me makes me very like you know, humbled to be like, wow. Mm-hmm. All right. They want me to be part of this. Um, and, and uh, I feel like, uh, early on, like I, I think just through some of our conversations and interactions, they could tell that like I wasn't in it to try to like use them to get ahead in sure. my career. Sure, they could tell that like I was a little bit different uh, in my approach, just in life. Um, you know, just in the way that like even though I was the photographer, I helped do other jobs and stuff like that. And, uh, and so I think I also earned a place with them through those things, as well as, you know, having ideas that I thought that they would like, uh, and then buy into those ideas. Like I earned their trust on all that kind of stuff. So I feel like, uh, now, you know, again, 10 years in, I, I'm, I'm the guy that's been with them the longest now, you know, even though they have like Andy or they have Trevor and stuff like that, and they've been doing things. Like I've been around this band now, you know, the longest currently. And so I think there's just trust there that like, you know, that A, they can count on me and B, if I'm going to say something, it's not because I'm crazy or because I'm trying to get something out of it. It's because I'm like, hey, this could make this better or hey, this would work for you guys or, you know, whatever. So, but it's always been cool. Like I've never felt even even way back when I first started, I've never felt like, oh, don't say anything. They don't want to hear from you or they're going to treat you like the help or you're just shut up and take photos guy. And I've been treated like that by other bands. Um, so Damn. with these guys, Gwen's like I've funny. never had that. Yeah, Gwen, <laughs> and she is a real piece of work. Um, what have some of your favorite MXPX projects, projects or shoots been? Um, one thing that we did a long time ago, uh, was I flew up to Bremerton. This one, I was still living in California. Uh, I flew up and within like three or four days, we did like seven or eight different like photo shoots just so we would have like a ton of content to roll out over time. Mm -hmm. So like we shot in a parking garage, we shot in an alley. You know, we shot in front of a auto garage. We shot an old house. We shot at the clubhouse. We shot um, them playing pool. We shot, uh, what was another one? Like behind a grocery store. Like we did all these different things where, you know, every time we went to one of these locations, totally different wardrobe, tried to change like hair, hats, things like that. So that was just fun for me because we busted out a ton of stuff in like one weekend. 
And so that was fun. Um, uh, on the cover was really fun. Just, you know, silly. Like the first day that I got there was like, that, that was the first time I ever did like a real photo shoot. And I don't know if they even knew that at the time. Like I'd never shot an album. I'd never shot an album cover. I'd wow. never done like a real shoot. And so like cruising with them the first day over to Seattle to go to like a few of these like bigger vintage shops to try to find the wardrobe that we needed and like wigs and stuff like that was just really fun to be like, Oh my God, like it's me and the three MXPX band members and we're clothes shopping. And now, (laughs) Oh, now we're going to eat Mongolian barbecue. We're just hanging out, you know? Uh, and then doing that shoot, like they were just all so down and willing to do whatever, you know, it's amazing to, to dress up like the Ramones and wear silly wigs and <laughs> be goofy and stuff. Like they were just, they were into it. So that was really fun. Um, uh, projects. I mean, I think that's really it project wise, like that was super intentional, like that yeah. I did most of everything else I've ever done is like either tour or concert like documentary and mm-hmm. so it's things like oh i was walking around coming back from lunch and i saw a cool place you guys want to go do some photos and they're usually like yeah let's do it and so that's not usually a project that's just like a quick shoot sure. that you know yeah. could be fun or whatever but um um i'm trying to think if there's anything else along the way no i think yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, in my career as a photographer and stuff, uh, I'm not the guy that has done a ton of like big projects or, you know, big idea things. Uh, I've, I've just, I enjoy like documenting and telling a story, you know, through even just like one photo at a concert. I just like that. Like, hey, remember that, you know, feeling, you know, looking mm-hmm. at a picture and being like, oh, yeah, I remember that show. So for me, I mean, I, I had a friend, um, that the year before I started working with MXPX, he put out a photo book with a band he'd been working with. And I was like, I want to do that. Hmm. And, uh, after the first tour I did with the guys in 2008, um, when it ended, I was like, guys, we should do a photo book. Like, let's take the photos from this tour and let's do something with it. And I am so glad that we didn't because one tour is not enough when it's like one three week run. Sure. Right. There's just not enough diversity or variety there. Sure. You know? And uh, so I'm really glad that it took us 10 years. And so that, I mean, was my fun project with them. Right. Because that, you know, it was a conversation that came up multiple times over the 10 years. Uh, sometimes we'd shoot stuff, you know, I'd shoot some pose stuff at a show or whatever. And then, you know, it'd be a couple months or a year later. And maybe Tom would ask, Hey, where are those photos? I never saw anything from that shoot. And I'm like, yeah. And you're not going to, and he'd be like, what? I'm like, well, I'm saving it. Like I'm archiving this for the, for the book. Like we're still going to make that thing happen, man. If it's the last thing I do, we're going to make that book. (laughs) And so, um, it's definitely been a thing that, I, I've been working on for a long time. So that was, you know, the big fun project with them. Yeah. Can you, can you tell us more about 
how that came to be. I mean, so that was a Kickstarter reward, and it's been a big hit with fans, I would say. Like, what was the creation of that? Was that just something you'd been pushing for a while and decided this was the time to drop it? He, well, so I um, I wanted, like I said, to do it right away, back like 10 years ago. And they like Mike, Mike was fine with that idea, but we just, I don't know, we both didn't really ever push and make it happen. And then uh, I think when they were kind of going into like the hiatus and all stars and stuff, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, you know, definitely tabled it. And then I think when they did their you coffee tabled it, <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Um, if only it had the uh, little legs, you know, that fold out. Exactly. Kramer style. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, I think it was when they got like back together and they did those 20th anniversary shows that I kind of brought it up again. And Mike was like, yeah, uh, why don't you like mock up some pages and do this and like, let's do this and let's figure out what we could write and like how we could turn it into this. And, and uh, not anything against his ideas or anything, but I just kind of was like, no, that's not what I want to do. Like, I don't want it to be stories or I don't want it to be this bigger thing of like your whole career. Right. I, I want, and it, I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong and maybe someday I'll, I'll see this otherwise, but I don't think I was trying to be selfish, but I just, as an artist for like, because I don't call myself an artist, you know, the fact that I document things, like, I just, I don't feel like I'm an artist. Uh, but I, I'm sure, you know, people would argue the other way or something. But but when it came to this book, I did feel like an artist. And mm. I had this integrity that I wanted to maintain, which was, like, I had a vision. And that vision was, I want to tell my story as a fan for fans. Yeah. And... I think what helps tell that story is like a consistent message, not here's a bunch of photos. Like here's fan submitted, like, you know, crappy point and shoot photos. Here's some from this random photographer that they did one shoot with. And here's some from Mike's mom. And here's some from like, not, there's nothing wrong with any of that kind of content, but I was just like, I really want it to be cohesive. And I think I had a unique opportunity where you know, it was also like back in 2008 and stuff, like most bands didn't take photographers out on the road with them. You know, that was not a common thing back then. And it wasn't until the last couple of years that like most bands started bringing people out all the time because of the need for social media content. Um, so the fact that I had stuff that predated the social media push, like I was, I was feeling like this is a cool archive. Like, you know, I remember buying the Let, Let It Happen CD and finding, oh my gosh, there's a ton of photos in here. Yeah. These are awesome. And what that was like. And I just kind of wanted to bring that to like a larger scale. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so when Mike was like offering those ideas of, you know, send me this and we'll think of how we could write in it and blah, blah, blah. Like it just kind of like made me not try very hard to like follow up on it. And then uh, a couple years later, um, after the Left Coast Live show, I started uh, getting to know their manager, Tom, and uh, pitched him the idea. You know, I was like, hey, we should do a book. And he was just like, now's not the right time for something like that. 
I was like, okay. Uh, and then I think it was like the next year I was like, how about now it's their, you know, 25th anniversary. And he's like, uh, it still just doesn't feel like the right time. And I'm like, really? Like their 25th anniversary is not the right time. And Tom was like, no, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good idea. And I, I want it to happen, but I just don't think it's the right time. And he's like, I'm just going to ask you to trust me on this. And I'm like, yeah, dude. I, I mean, I have to because I'm not. I don't have the money to make a book. So, um, and then uh, beginning of uh, of last year, um, he sent me a text, and he's like, "I just want you to know, I've been thinking about this, and uh, uh, I think it's going to happen." And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Let's let's talk soon." And so, uh, it was probably a few weeks after that text at most that we got on the phone and he's like, listen, we got some stuff in the works and I think this will go really well with that. Do you want to make it happen right now? And I was like, of course, like unleash the beasts. Let's go, <laughs> you know, let's, let's, let's make it happen. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was definitely a thing that I wanted to do, and I I I had the feeling that it would happen at some time. Uh, and the guys, you know, were never opposed to it. Um, it just needed the right thing. And uh, before I before I fully like pitched it, I remember uh, in 2017, I think first I pitched my idea to Tony, their tour manager, when I was at his house one day, and I had uh, a bunch of my archive photos with me. And I started after telling him, started showing him some of the photos. Cause at first he was like, Oh, doing like a big archive, like with, you know, posters and tickets and all the stuff from all the years would be amazing. And then when he started seeing the photos and listened to my reasoning of what I wanted to do, he's like, do your thing. He's like, this is awesome. I love it. I, I can't wait to get it. And, uh, and then I went to Tom with that idea and I said, Hey man, this is, this is how I see it. And this is really what I'd like to do. And Tom, uh, loved it and bought into it. And he's like, run with it. I back it, go for it. And, uh, and then that made the whole process really easy. Once I, I found a, a guy here, uh, in Chattanooga that did design, uh, and we met to talk about him helping me lay it out. I think we laid out maybe 10, uh, spreads and sent them to Tom and, got his approval and he was like, you don't have to show me anything else from here on out. He's like, whatever you do is going to be amazing. I trust it. Go. Cool. And so that was awesome. Cause then it wasn't like a big back and forth. It wasn't a right. Every step of the way I need to get everybody's input or approval. He was just like, dude, this is going to be awesome. He doesn't need to initial every page or skip two pages or whatever. Right. Like in uh, elf. Well, that's (laughs) uh, that was kind of my thinking. That's (laughs) what I was. Right. What about those, the puppy and the witches, though? I mean, exactly. <laughs> Nobody out? cares. Nobody it's a cares. Crappy book anyway. Um, so, speaking of all your different shots and everything that you do, um, so when you walk into a venue, are there certain shots that you know you always want to get at a show? Is there like what is like the Jared Scott special that you know you you're walking in and you know when you leave at the end of the show that you have like these particular photos? Is that how you approach it, or is every show kind of different? Yeah, every show is different. I uh, 
I, I don't walk in with any sort of, I want this or I need this. And it definitely changes if you're just doing like a show with a band versus a tour, because when you're just doing a show, uh, you know, a, if you really aren't connected with the band, you're shooting three songs and that's it. So, um, you know, it's, it's rushed. It's, uh, it's kind of nice because it's got energy behind it. Cause you're like, I only have three songs to get something like I got to walk with something. So I got to hurry, uh, versus having the whole set to work with. Um, but when you're not familiar with the band's, uh, current, show right. then you don't know what you're waiting for looking for so it's all anticipation it's all right. trying to read the moment read what's coming trying to like catch that. that punk jump exactly trying to 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 get a feel for when somebody's gonna do something and go oh I, i'm ready um so yeah i really don't walk in i mean i my my goal usually is i want to try to shoot something different uh because I, I don't think people want to see the same thing over and over again. Right. You know? Um, so, <clears throat> uh, when I'm up close, I'm just trying to get like, you know, perspective that is clean and energetic and shows, you know, a, a better visual of the scene. So that let's say if you're at the back of the room and you're not seeing as well, or your view is obstructed that if you saw that photo later, you'd be like, Oh cool. That's what it looked like. Awesome. Um, but for me, it's trying to look for those moments. Like when somebody's going wild or is interacting with somebody else on stage or interacting with somebody in the crowd or, uh, and then it's like looking for light and the way that that's being weird, you know, behind them, next to them, or how it's ca- catching the lens, stuff like that. Sure. Um, but essentially, I'm just trying every time I go and shoot a concert, whatever it is, I just want to take photos that like the artist is excited to post. So has there ever been something that you captured and you were like, oh, shit. This is so bad or so compromising that I can never show this to the client. And my reference is that Beyonce photo from the Super Bowl halftime show from like five years ago where she's like. She looked a little mannish. <laughs> well, she looked like she was melting. Oh, that's what it oh, was. Oh, wow. Have you, no, do I don't you, remember do that. You don't know that one? No. If all you ju- just Google Beyonce, I don't know if I want to see her melting. <laughs> fair. It's fair. I mean, yeah. everybody has that uh, has that bad moment. But has there has there have you ever had something like that where you're just like, this this can't see the light of day. Yeah, I mean, definitely not not anything like compromising or anything. Um, but I mean, when you're shooting a concert, uh, and when you're shooting a concert. Uh, with guys that you know have aged whatever the band is but that have aged somewhat and if you know uh just life takes its effect and so a guy who is shaking his face at you know the age of 45 (laughs) or whatever you know his cheeks and whatnot aren't going to stay in place like they did when he was 19 and so i definitely have photos from the years where like dudes are not looking their best you know they look extra chubby or extra derpy because their jowls are shaking and their lip and you know stuff like that or eyes half open and 
so those are the kind of photos that, you know, I definitely don't ever have a purpose to post or anything like that because I don't ever want to make somebody self-conscious or right. feel, you know, less than they do. So that's, that's probably wise. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I mean, no, nobody in a band or whatever is going to be stoked about that kind of photo. Or if you catch a photo of them doing something that, you know, they're not happy with, they're right. not going to be like, Hey, keep up the good work. Like they're going <laughs> right, to be like, right, Oh exactly. yeah, let's not work with that guy anymore. So, so kind of on that note, on that point. Um, so being on the road, uh, with a band touring with a band that, you know, if you're with them for a while, it can be exhausting and stressful. Um, Brian Bouchelt uh, talked about when we when we interviewed him that he has permission to film anything, even if it's an all-out blowout fight that the band gives him permission to always have the camera running um, because they trust him. Uh, do you have a similar understanding with the band or are there some things where you're just like, I'm just going to put the camera down? I've never had that conversation with a band. Um, so I've never acted like that, you know, uh, because my, my whole goal, uh, I guess is different. And I didn't know how shitty of a person Brian was trying to get all, <laughs> the know. you know tmz is, worthy content he is notorious um, notoriously a huge asshole yeah oh dude he's the worst, the worst. brian brian if you listen to this episode <laughs> you suck uh, but uh no i mean for me uh my goal as that's a fan, gonna be the pulled quote for this episode by the way <laughs> brian, Jared Scott, <laughs> brian bouchelt sucks yeah uh my my goal as a fan was to give fans you know stuff and so I never want to paint bands in a bad light. And I don't want, even if I don't end up like loving working with a band or something mm-hmm. like that, I don't want to do anything to like ruin that for other people and stuff. So, right. so any of the times that I've been around where like things have gotten awkward or if, you know, an argument breaks out or if a dude jumps off stage, uh, to, to break up a fight or to whatever, like I, I tend not to shoot that kind of stuff. Um, at least most of my career recently, uh, when things have happened, like if Mike's jumped off the stage to break up a fight, right. I will stay ready. Uh, but not because I want to document it to share it. I want to document it in case it's helpful. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, in if court so, or something if like someone's that. Like my career from MXPX assaulted me. Yeah, exactly. Right. I want to be able to say, nope, you're the jackass that did this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's just not a, I don't know. I, I'm bad at that kind of stuff because I care too much about people. So I'm like, oh, what's, oh, what happened? I want to help. Or, oh yeah, this is awkward. I'm going to give you some space. I'll go over there. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it's a little different too, because if you let, you know, uh, a camera film something like that, you can get the full story. Sure. But by taking a picture right. of something happening, it's really hard to communicate, you know, context. the context. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Kind of along those lines as far as, like, what the context is for what you're shooting. I mean, you mentioned one of the ways the, the industry has changed a lot since you first started out. It's kind of the the evolution of 
um, artists, social media and photographers being used for that content. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that evolution process? Like what has changed? What's still the same? Have those changes been good or bad or both? Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, when I started out, uh, it, it was like most of the photographers that I knew lived in an area and they just shot in that area. And they were just shooting shows and festivals and sure. local, like, you know, shoots for magazines or whatever. But almost nobody was going on tour. And now people are going out on tour, like, nonstop because every night a band plays, it's like that night or the next day, they need to post, you know, one to ten photos from that show sure. showing it. And I think that their their feeling is if we're not staying in front of our fans every single day, they're going to forget about us. Right. And while I see validity to it, I also kind of hate it because it just like, it makes things less special. Like, um, I remember in high school seeing a, um, poster like promo thing for the ever passing moment at my local record store. And it had, uh, the live photo that's, I think behind the CD or maybe on the back of the vinyl. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like a live show photo of them and like Mike's leaning back and he's got his bass like, you know, up above him. And Tom is like, got his foot up on like the monitor and it just feels like really like big rock and roll. And I remember seeing all of that energy and being like, this is amazing. Like that. I want to do that. And nowadays, because people are posting cool photos every single day, I feel like we forget about the cool photo that we saw yesterday or the one right. before, you know. Sure. So I think there is a downside in some ways. But um, but I also think it is cool to, like, give bands opportunities to, like, constantly be connecting with their fans and vice versa, you know, fans being able to stay connected. Sure, but, uh, but at, this, at the same time, like, to your point, you talk about that that one photo but when you go to a show everybody's taking the same damn photo because they all have their smartphones and they're at the same show they're all posting the same thing and i that kind of stuff drives me crazy because how many people are holding up their phones during a show experiencing a live show behind their iphone screen and it's no. just like, what are you, right. what are you doing? Right. You, I mean, I get, I you're get you never going to watch this video at. again. Yeah. Right. Most, most people won't watch those videos. You might go back to that photo or whatever, or most people I think are doing it. So they have something that they can post or share. Right. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's funny. You almost gave me an idea right now where I've, I've noticed bigger artists like Jack White or, you, you know, comedians like Aziz Ansari and stuff doing things where you either can't bring your phone into the show or it gets put in some kind of like locked case or bag or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't get access to it until after the show. And I kind of think like, man, it'd be rad if these bands that had touring photographers with them just started making a deal where they're like, we're going to charge our fans, uh, you know, a dollar more per show. But every fan that wants to has access to download that show's photos. And that way they get 
real photos instead yeah. of their crappy iPhone photo. Right. And that way the photographer maybe gets paid a little bit every single show, you yeah. know, like if they charged everybody a dollar extra in their ticket fee and you played a 500, you know, cap room, then that night the photographer made 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. So, um, I wish that that was something more like when I first started shooting too, I would tell certain artists, I would say like, Hey, instead of doing the cool thing at the beginning of the set every night, uh, and letting every, you know, random photographer shoot it. How about you do that towards the end of the set? And we're the only ones that have that photo and we control when it goes out and how it goes out Mm -hmm. so that if you want to do something like make a poster of it, people haven't seen it a million times. Yeah. And I just think it's stuff that people don't think about. Hmm. So, well, that's um, why you're paid the big bucks. <laughs> I always say my joke, my dad joke is that's why I get paid the no bucks. <laughs> Fair, yeah. Um, are you cool with? I know um, not everybody's cool with it, but um, since you kind of post a little bit about it on social media, are you cool with talking politics at all? Or do you, would you rather kind of steer away from that? Oh, I, I definitely don't mind, but I, I, I definitely have to preface everything by saying like, I'm not super informed. I'm very, uh, I'm very much like an emotional poster. Um, and, uh, I, I definitely try to get informed on things, but, uh, I have to, yeah, preface that anything that I share is to be taken with a grain of salt. Sure. Something that you posted that that it resonated with me uh, was your Instagram <laughs> post from the day before Trump's inauguration. If you don't mind, I'd like to just read what you posted. Yeah, yeah. You said, today has been a weird one around our house, just a little slower than usual, maybe even a little somber, and it dawns on me. Today is the last day of a time in our history that I am very proud to have been a part of. Sure, there may be some blemishes, but for me, I'm very sad to see the change in leadership swing so far from one side to the next. I mean, I just really deeply resonate with that and remember the remember that day and watching uh i i guess the the next day watching the inauguration feeling like what the hell is yep is going on and um obviously these almost past almost two years have been I mean, every day feels like we're going off the rails. Oh yeah. Um, you know, to also to your point that there, you said there have been some blemishes. Obviously, Obama was wasn't the perfect president, um, but nobody is. Nobody's right. a perfect person. But yeah. So there are a couple questions I have in here. So John is a parent. I'm not a parent. Um, you you both are people of faith i'm i'm not but i i'm curious at like maybe you can both answer this but i'm curious what it's been like the past 2 years um as a parent um and kind of seeing like this is the world 
that I'm raising children in right now, and also as a person of faith that it seems like the religious right has somehow co-opted this sort of like I don't I don't even understand how people of faith can even be okay with some of the things that he's done or said or is a part of but how that feels and it's kind of like what these past two years have have been like because I they're just two things that I uh that I I can't identify with yeah I mean I it's taken a little bit to to realize and separate like I feel like in my mind, in my opinion, people that support Trump and call themselves Christians are not Christians. They don't understand what it means to be a Christian. Um, Because I think if you were to list things on paper, uh, like let's say before the election, uh, if you would have listed characteristics on paper and put it in front of Christians, I bet nine out of 10 of them would have voted for Bernie Sanders and not Donald Trump. But the second that you put a name on it and you say, well, Donald is calling himself a Christian and Bernie is is socialist that they, yeah, that they're like, F that guy. Yeah. And that to me is just the sign of like hypocrisy. I mean, the fact that a label changes everything for you is just downright nonsense. Right. So, uh, so it took me a little bit of time to to properly separate that kind of thing and go, yeah, I can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, there are some crazy Christians, but that doesn't mean Christianity as a whole is crazy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and yes, it is constantly frustrating uh, because I grew up, you know, in the church uh, as a white man in America uh, or white male. So I was not always a man. I was once a boy. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, growing up uh, in this thing that I thought was like right, that I thought was pure, that I thought was just, it was hard, you know, at first to start seeing those cracks and to see that it wasn't all that way. But at the same time, like I feel the the good that came out of that is it helped us see the phonies and the liars for what they are. You know, these people that are self-serving that are totally missing the foundations of what they actually believe. Uh, they say that they believe these things, but then they do not understand what it means to live them out. And, uh, so it, it's helped me like, you know, find more of my, my people, my camp. Uh, mm-hmm. But then it's also just like constantly frustrating because you're like, you idiots are so loud that you get the attention and then, you know, you give everybody else a bad name and you make everybody else distrusting of Christians and stuff right. because you're all garbage people. <laughs> so, <laughs> But then at the same time, like I have a lot of friends, you know, that I've made in the last 10 years through the music industry that are, you know, very hard, like liberals and very anti-Christian. Right. And they see the difference. Like they get it. They know that there are crazy Christians and that there are fine Christians. And so that's also been a good thing for me, at least is like when I share posts about good Christian things that happen, 
most of the people that comment or like those posts are my non-Christian friends that right. get it, that they go, yeah, dude, this is solid stuff, or these people are rad, this is great. And so that's been cool, too, to see like the community come together and go, oh, yeah, you know what? Christianity isn't all bad. It's just those nut jobs, they're bad. Um, so, yeah, it's been frustrating and weird in that in that sense, but it's whatever, you know? It's this thing that I'm like, I can't control it. Uh, all I can try to do is... Um, have impact in, in little ways, you know, try to have conversations where I can and, uh, hope that maybe that can move the needle a little bit. Yeah, I would, I would echo all that. I think, um, I can't remember if we talked about this on the pod or not, but so my younger son was born, uh, a few days after Trump was elected (laughs) And he was not supposed to be born then. He was supposed to have like another several weeks at least. And my wife thinks part of why she went into early labor was like the stress of that week, which the hospital said was the case. Like their numbers across the country had gone up like apparently for that reason, who knows. But so, I mean, so that was happening as he was being born on the literal day that my older son was born was like the day of, on, uh, in Ferguson, Missouri, when the National Guard was coming in. And I think in both times it was like, what are we bringing these yeah. kids into? Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I agree with you, Jared. I think you kind of have to come to a conclusion ultimately where it's like, you know, global warming is happening, war is happening, democracy is eroding. <laughs> but like you have these, you have your your values and your faith for some people that you want to pass on to your kids and you want to raise them um, to be the kind of people that you hope there will be more of. And you just kind of have to say, I'm going to do the best I can to make my home a place where those values are upheld and, and make the impacts that I can where I can. And some days I'm good about thinking that way. And other days I'm just like completely overwhelmed and incapacitated, but (laughs) yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I, I had a change in my faith years back that went from, uh, this is what I've been told. This is what a book says. And I don't want to go to hell. Like it changed from all of that to something that was more, uh, accepting, more understanding and Mm -hmm. more inviting. And that was this idea of partnership and that, I bought into this idea that if there is a God and if I believe in God, uh, that he has invited me to work with him in making this place better. Mm. And I've bought into that. I bought into this idea. Like I want to make other people's lives better with my time. Mm -hmm. And if at the end, I'm wrong and there is no God. I'm okay with that because I spent my whole life trying to make people's lives better and not for some fake reason. Like I wasn't like, Oh, I'm trying to get you, you know, into, into heaven and spare you from hell. And, Oh, I did this, this way to like, you know, do this for myself or whatever. It's like you could, you could take God out of the equation and it's still the same kind of thing. It's I'm trying to, you know, show people like, Hey, if you don't put yourself first all the time, if you try to make other people's lives better, like it does make your life better and it makes you feel better. And 
you all kind of come up together that way. So why not give that a chance instead of just being selfish and only take care of yours and, you know, and those around you that you can get something from or whatever. So, uh, so that definitely has helped me as well. You know, some of those, those shifts in, in thinking on that kind of stuff to be like, yeah, it's not all the crazy stuff that people are trying to make it out to be. It's love and acceptance and understanding. And we, in my feeling is like, we need that now more than ever, you know, right. with all Preach. of the garbage that's coming out. Yeah. Uh, we need that unity and we need to support those around us in action, you know, again, more than ever because times are getting like crazier and shittier. So yeah, it, to me feels like this isn't a time for me to be like, ah, for, you know, every man for himself. It's no. like, no, I need to come <laughs> alongside people and help them and yeah. stand with them. And if they don't have a voice, be a voice. And if they do have a voice, like be there to have their back. You know, mm-hmm. are there any people that you are reading or listening to that do give you hope uh, or a sense of like, here's a leader that's coming up or here's somebody that is speaking truth to power? Because I'm thinking like we're talking about you're talking about people who are call themselves Christians, but don't um have any of the qualities that many of us would feel like are Christians. And I'm like, where is the Jesus rushing in to the temple, like and calling people a brood of vipers and flipping tables over, you know, like where, where are the prophets of, of, and like who are calling out this bullshit? Like that's like, are there people that you're like, Oh, here's somebody (laughs) who's, who's speaking that truth. Yeah. And there, there's a, a, couple names that come to mind but what's great is i feel like for the time they are calling things out but they're not doing it that way they're not tipping tables and yelling and whatnot they are they're people that have probably grown up in very similar situations as the rest of us where they grew up going to church because that's what their family did and they bought into everything because that's what you do and then somewhere in like their you know 20s early 30s they had a like you know point of crisis where they're like i gotta think about this stuff critically and they deconstructed what they believed and then instead of just leaving it there they rebuilt and and uh reformed what they believe and have moved on positively from that and uh i think they're sharing those experiences in positive ways and I think that that's starting to have huge impact. Um, I think guys like uh, Rob Bell and mm-hmm. um, uh, Richard Rohr oh, yeah. and um, Brendan Manning oh, and sure. uh, and the the Liturgist podcast, uh, Michael Gunger and Science Mike and mm-hmm. uh, Rachel Held Evans yeah. are a bunch of uh, big names that come to mind who are trying to have those conversations that are trying to change people's minds about, you know, the only reason you think this way is because one person told you that at one point and you bought into it and you've done no research on it or looked into it. Like right. they're trying to have conversations and, and whatnot. Um, like literally and, the, <clears throat> the most, the most skin deep 
exegesis that you could possibly do and they're calling themselves biblical scholars or that they know the Bible, but like do people just go into a church, they hear a sermon and they think it's, you know, they think it's, you know, the truth or it's actually the Bible. And it's like, no man, you have to, it's, there's just so much, I, you know, I went to, I did a couple years of seminary a few years ago and, you know, and going, going into seminary, um, as an atheist, it's, um, it's um, gotta be fun. It is, it is, but there are still things that like you go in thinking you're like, this is going to, I haven't, I, you, you have no idea. And there are still things that blow your mind. Like my, one of my favorite classes was, uh, the Hebrew Bible. And like some of the things about the Hebrew Bible that troubled me the most, like I was able to think about in new ways. And it's so freeing to be able to, unshackle yourself from like what you're told you're supposed to believe. And, um, and speaking of Richard Rohr, um, he says something like literalism is the least interesting interpretation of the Bible. Yeah. And it's like, if, if, if you read just the words on the page, you're missing like 95% of what, these stories are saying yeah. and I feel sorry for you because that is you're missing so much meaning that's beneath the words and that is just too bad yeah absolutely and people people have a hard time hearing that kind of stuff people don't want to hear they're wrong well people don't want not to hear even that they're they... wrong because what it does is it it shakes the foundation a little right. bit and right. that's scary Right. Well, and I feel like with faith-based stuff for me too, like a lot of it for me uh, changed when I I watched a documentary about hell and they talked about two types of Christians. There's those who believe in a literal hell and those that view it as a figurative. Uh, And during the documentary, like everybody that was all about the literal hell sucked. Like they were... (laughs) you know, Mark Driscoll and the Westboro Baptists and all this kind of stuff. And they were just a holes Mm -hmm. and everybody that was like, no, the Bible, you know, what they were talking about being hell and stuff that was figurative and blah, blah, blah. All those people had such like a piece about them and everything that they talked about and, you know, so on and so forth. And for me, I was just like, man, like as I started to like look into stuff, I, I felt like, this is making sense to me. Like hell isn't real. And, uh, I felt like so many people are motivated in the things that they do because of their belief in hell and fear of it. Right. And for me, once I removed that, I was like, Oh my gosh, it's so freeing to not have that be the motivator because, Again, that's not a beautiful story to invite someone to be a part of. To no. say, hey, come to church and get saved so you don't go to hell versus... Right. Let's start your journey off with fear. Yeah. Exactly. It's, yeah. 
and like one of the first people, um, and this was before, you know, like I grew up in the church. I grew up, uh, with, with my, uh, I was a PK, um, me too. And like, like my dad is a, a new Testament scholar and one of the smartest people I know. Um, he's, he's written books. He, well, he's written a, a book about, um, eschatology and he was one of the first people that I knew that didn't describe hell as an actual place. <laughs> he did. He didn't. He's and like, I was like, is this, is this okay to believe that like, that it's not like what they're, what people always say that it's not fire and brimstone and, 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 the, and, and just kind of like, uh, what you were talked about earlier about sometimes getting permission to question things yeah. yep. is like the most liberating thing you can experience that just somebody saying like, Hey, you know, it's okay to ask that question or it's okay to say, I don't know. And for yeah. me being able to say, I don't know versus some people of faith who feel like saying, I don't know means there's something uh, fallible with their religion or with their faith. But it's just saying, yeah, I don't, I don't know, or I'm not right. sure. Right. That's well, okay. That's that fear, you know, that fear that like, if you ask that question and then walk outside and get hit by a car and die, Oh, right. now you're going to hell. Cause you doubted. Yeah. And, and I get it. I get where they're coming from. And I think at its core, it's people coming from a good place, but then it comes across poorly, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I don't remember who, who it was, um, what's her name, but she had the quote, uh, the opposite of faith isn't doubt, it's certainty. Mm-hmm. Mm, and, that's good. um, and I'm like, that's, that's, that to me, like, if you have, and Lamont. It's an, it is Anne She's another person to put on that list you're yep. making, we, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, yeah. We also, we also toss out John Pavlovitz on, oh, yes. on this pod quite a bit. He's so good. We're we're big Johnny Pavs fans. <laughs> yeah. My my dad probably weekly sends me one of his articles. <laughs> yeah. He's he's always got the hottest and spiciest of takes. <laughs> and, right? And oh, I man. love it. I love yeah, it. his I mean, one uh, recent. I don't. Uh, maybe it wasn't recently, but I read it recently. The one where he was uh, essentially calling out Christians for being racist yeah. because of what they would say about uh, how they were ashamed of Barack Obama. Yes. Right. Oh, that was uh, that was that was the best. That was that was. I talk. You know, I was talking about uh, needing needing profits. I mean, like he, he spits fire and he doesn't yes. care. Yep. And, but he, but he also comes across in like a very positive way. Yes. Not being an asshole. No, but, but he's saying to these crazy people who are like 
oh, I'm so happy with our current president and I'm so ashamed right. that he doesn't let him get away with that. Nope. He's like, oh, really? You're you're ashamed of the guy that has been married <laughs> to the same woman for, you know, 30 years and dotes on her and like really cares about it. Oh, and who treats his daughters with respect and, you know, puts them first and for Oh, and this guy that does that, you know, yeah. and he just like, he calls her out on it. Yeah. And I love it. Because yes. we need that with that kind of stuff, you know? I guess he's the closest that I can think of with uh, the brood of vipers and table flipping. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. he but he's, let... he's, he's like gently knocking the table over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's That's pretty great. Yeah. No, he's good. Well... This has been a wide-ranging conversation. Yes. Uh, don't want to keep you too late. Yeah, since we're pushing uh, almost getting near the <laughs> two-hour mark. Um, oh. Do, uh, is there anything you want to plug? I mean, do you want to talk about uh, Dino, Dynamo Studios real quick? Or Sure. But before we do that, so on some podcasts, I feel like, you know, the hosts or host or whatever, they have, like, segments and... <laughs> I, I kind of feel like I learned that first uh, years ago when I first started listening to Pete Holmes's podcast. Have you guys ever listened to him? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> while um, while we were talking, my wife sent me something about Pete Holmes's podcast and somebody some an interview coming up on his podcast. Like I'm a I'm a huge and this is. And this is a question that I wanted to get to, so maybe Sorry. we should get to this before. Yeah, sure. Um, because I've read, I read in another interview that you're a fan of comedy, so um, that, <clears throat> so who would who would you say is your uh, some of your favorite stand-ups, or who do you? Be, I mean, obviously, you were just talking about you made it weird with Pete Holmes, um, but who who would you say are some of your favorite stand-ups? Um, I mean, I. I tend to like either like really silly comedy or um, uh, like clean comedy. Like I'm not one for like the cheap, dirty joke and stuff like that. I just sure. don't think that's that smart. Um, so I think over the years I've, I've gravitated to, to guys more like uh, Dimitri Martin. Okay. And, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously for me, Jerry Seinfeld is always going to be like top dog, uh, but like Jim Gaffigan sure. and I, I really enjoy Aziz mm. and, uh, there's a guy over the last couple of years that I've gotten more into, uh, named, uh, Nate Bargatze, um, who's based out of Nashville. Uh, and he's really funny. And I discovered him through Pete's show. Okay. Him and Pete, I think came up together in comedy. Um, and, uh, it's funny because I really, in the early days, like, liked Pete's podcast, but I never sought out his comedy. Oh um, man, he's so good. Yeah. I mean, I definitely appreciate it more now. Like I love his sitcom, uh, crashing. Yeah. And, and uh, I think I'm starting to get a better sense of his comedy from that. Have you ever, um, have you ever seen his stand-up special, nice try the devil? <laughs> No, oh, I haven't. You you have to okay. You have yeah. to find nice try the devil. Uh, it's 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 so good. Yeah, uh, but there was a guy from Canada. I don't know if he's still doing stand up, but I've seen him live a couple times. His name is Jeremy Hotz, and he's really funny. And then uh, 
honestly, Tom Wilson, uh, Biff, <laughs> yeah. is such a great stand-up comedian. Like, uh, my wife and I took our friends and we went and saw him. And I mean, from from second he took the stage till when he left, we were dying. He was just so funny. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, back to Pete's thing. So you know, Pete has those segments where mm-hmm. he's like, "Let's talk about right. uh, comedy. Let's talk about." sex let's talk about god right i do think you guys are missing your opportunity when you move into your politic talk uh by not calling it politics politics let's talk politics politics yeah yes that should uh, be the segment you know the, jared so you are this is the 25th episode Ew. and i feel like we've blown it for literally 25 episodes <laughs> without that, without uh, the yeah. politics schmaltz well, yeah. segment, go, call each person and <laughs> go back and re-record each episode. Oh God. We'll do it. Do it. <laughs> yes. Says John. To, <laughs> since I agree to everything. Good yeah. luck, Andrew. <laughs> I'll just go back and re-edit every episode. Uh, well, that's you can call. do it moving forward. Yeah. Come up with segments and, you know, just, we do um, uh, stay on brand. We do play little MXPX clips before our, our different segments, but we have not rocked the teenage politics clip before. Before yeah. talking Six. politics, so yeah, like... there uh, there is a podcast called Good Christian Fun. Oh have yeah, you guys yeah. it's to that? great. Yeah, right. And I love when they do like their album reviews and they give it the holy toast or a uh-huh. holy roast, <laughs> and they play those little things, those little segments, and and yep. then they're one for. Uh, if this, if they're in between on it, they play the Dave Matthews, the space between. <laughs> right. <laughs> it just kills me every time. Well, we give you a holy toast, Jared. So. All right. Holy toast. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, I was kind of hoping I was going to get that to <laughs> we'll, we'll add that in post. Okay. Um, yeah, those guys are great. Do you, uh, yeah, do you want to plug anything in particular? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I guess... Um, currently we are, um, and by we, I do mean Dynamo Studios. We are, uh, fundraising. We are trying to kind of kickstart our program a little bit. Um, we've had this, uh, nonprofit running for a year and a half, two-ish years now. And, uh, we've been doing that just kind of on our spare time, like on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are we've been growing and uh, learning and, and reaching more uh, students and things. And we have just kind of hit a place where we really need uh, to make this like our full-time professions. And so we're trying to step more into that and uh, continue to grow our programming to cater to more things uh, that fall under the music industry um, essentially our nonprofit uses the music industry to teach kids 21st century skills. Uh, so we're doing like audio production and what I call visual production, teaching like elements of like photo and video, um, uh, for content creation and storytelling. And then, uh, on the audio side, we're just like recording, uh, bands and teaching mixing and, things of that uh nature but 
uh, all of it is, uh, through hands-on like professional setting experiences. Um, so like a kid who comes into work on like learning how to set up and record an artist is actually working with like, you know, a local artist that, um, plays shows and has made albums versus here. One of us is just going to sit in there and play the guitar for a few minutes. You know, they're helping somebody make their next single or, if I'm teaching a, a student what it's like to, to shoot a concert, you know, uh, one of my kids that I brought out, uh, his first concert that he ever shot was Jimmy World. Wow. So we're giving them real life, big time opportunities because we found that that helps these students uh, step up and grow rapidly through that environment. Um, so, yeah, we're just really trying to... Um, uh, kind of get things off the ground at the moment in a, in a big way. I mean, like I said, we have been doing stuff for the last like two ish years, but now we're trying to really generate uh, more programming and more opportunities so we can serve more kids in our community. And, uh, and then we're also looking into trying to get our own space. We've uh, we've been operating out of somebody else's space, um, but we are, now trying to build our own um studio as well so cool it's it's hectic and weird and stressful to be doing all this but it's at the same time like the most like fun exciting stuff i think i've ever done so it sounds super cool yeah it sounds amazing and if people wanted to donate to your holiday giving campaign where could they where could they do so uh if you follow me on social media, I have a link on my page, uh, but you can just go to dynamostudios.org. And uh, whether or not you catch this episode, you know, during December or after, I mean, we'll always, I've learned through my friends, when you work at a nonprofit, you are always fundraising. So <laughs> yeah. uh, it's For not sure. just right now. Yeah. Cool. Brad. Well, thank you so much, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you, guys. I'm glad that it uh, finally worked out for our schedules. And by our schedules, I mean mine, because <laughs> I'm crazy and dumb. No, wow. you're, you've, you certainly have uh, a more busy schedule than, than we do. So Ooh, we appreciate no. you taking the time. And uh, hopefully uh, when MXPX announces shows mm-hmm. maybe you'll end up back in chicago fingers crossed shooting a chicago show hope so uh, just, yeah i would enjoy that we're yeah. just crossing our fingers over here just <laughs> you know waiting with bated breath to right. see see what happens yeah what what part of chicago are you guys in um we so i live just north of chicago and john lives just a little bit west Mm -hmm. um okay so me being from chicago give me town names (laughs) okay okay well we didn't know that bro (laughs) unless unless you're afraid that your fans are going to come to like stock your (laughs) your local starbucks and yeah i mean it's it's hard for us to move around town without our fans being like andrew john (laughs) Let me talk about the latest pod. Yo, 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 guys, come on. Yeah, what's what's going on? Uh, I live in Evanston. 
I live in Palatine. Oh yeah, Palatine. <laughs> it's a place to be. Yes. Yeah. Got a I, dirty Nellie's up the street here. If uh, <laughs> Five Iron and MXPX want to play a show there or something. There you go. I uh, was born in Rockford. All right. Okay. And then uh, my family moved to um, Wheeling, Mount Prospect area. Uh, so we're, are we doing this podcast in reverse? Now we're <laughs> yep. we're going to start off. We're going to yep. end with your birth. Yep. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Uh, so no, I'm just very... giving you that context, so I kind of know. You yeah. Know, that... Well, Andrew lived in Arlington Heights when I lived he was in Arlington, high school. Went to Arlington. Yep, lived... yep. Okay, so this is that's the where segment. my mom went to high school. Oh, Pro- wow. Did she go to Prospect High School? I think so. That's where I went. This yeah. is uh, this is the segment of the show where we ask if you ever went to Heart and Soul in Mount Prospect. Uh, what is that? Oh, you missed out on a damn beautiful dude. movement. There was this like mm, questionable, <laughs> a Christian punk coffee, coffee shop youth group scene there uh, called. Well, see, I moved away before all that. Ah, uh, right. I, I moved out of Chicago when I was like nine. And okay, that was before you were the West Coast. So before you were mixing it up in the pit and stuff. Exactly, <laughs> but I find one of the cool things. Well. I always find when you are able to like meet somebody from your home or whatever, that's always a great thing. But I, I find it's funny because I will tell people, Oh, I'm from Chicago uh, because they don't know the little towns and stuff like that. Uh, And then when you meet somebody else from Chicago, then all of a sudden you feel like a phony and a poser when you're like, Oh, I'm from this suburb. And they're like, I'm not from Chicago. I just want uh, for the record, What I said was, <laughs> I live yeah no you just north, north of Chicago yeah, right, because right. You, I, you're good yeah you're good. because I don't want to be that guy when people say I, <laughs> fucking Evanston is in Chicago exactly. like, but see now here's here's my thing so right. the first time I worked with Rise Against um, was at like some festival and I was doing uh, like a day in the life with them. Okay. And so I met him and I'm up in their dressing room and it's like the festival is outside like a horse track. So we're up in like one of these weird like sky boxes. That's like their dressing room for the day. And we're just kind of like talking and getting to know each other. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I, uh, I'm from Chicago. And they're like, oh, we're from Chicago. And I'm like, uh, well, I'm not like from <laughs> Chicago the city. land. And I'm like, uh, I grew up kind of in like Mount Prospect, Arlington Heights area, and their singer Tim goes, "That's where I live." That's funny. And so, so I'm like, he claims Chicago, but he lives in Arlington Heights still. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm good. I can say this. <laughs> I just saw the Smashing Pumpkins at Aragon Ballroom last week, and they brought out Tim to sing a a special song with them. So, oh, that's that was cool. A, it was a cool, cool night. Yeah. Anyway, and then to talk, and then to talk like local stuff, uh-huh. you know, with those people is fun too. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. When yeah. I started talking with them and found out where they were from, I was like, "Okay, this is a long shot." I was like, "You ever hear of Wapagetti's Pizza?" And they're like, "Oh, dude, yes!" <laughs> and he like yelled over to his wife. He's like, "Honey, come here. This is Jared. He's taking photos of us today. He's from Arlington Heights here. He eats at Wapagetti's." And she's like, "Get at it." <laughs> and so it's like immediately the rest of that day I was part of their family. That's you know, amazing. Like, you know, and those guys were the nicest dudes I think I've ever met in the industry. Oh, um, wow. Nicer than Mike. But, uh, nicer than what? Mike. 
Oh yeah, Mike's an a-hole. <laughs> you guys met Mike, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. True I mean, story. I mean, but so in terms of assholes, the top is Brian Bouchelt. <laughs> yep. Then Mike. Yep. And then. And then Yuri. And then Yuri. Yeah. <laughs> but let the record uh, show Brian Bouchelt yeah. the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these guys are all such big a-holes. That's why yeah, such... I keep hanging around for, yeah, for right, this right. long. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, I think that's a great note to end on. <laughs> yes. But I'm sure we will find a way to hang out in Chicago again. For sure. We, Let's make it we would love it. We would love it. Cool. Yeah, me too. Well, thank you guys. I yeah, appreciate man. it. Appreciate Thanks, it. Man. Thank you so much. Hope you uh, hope we didn't keep you up too late. Oh man, it's way past my bedtime. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Same. We we still got some more to record. So. Oh uh, man, I just got to binge watch The Office. So. Nice. Way to go. It. Awesome. <laughs> All right, man. All right. We'll have talk a good to night. You later. Hey. Yep. You guys have a good night too. Take care. See ya. Bye. Peace. Peace. Teenage politics. It's too confusing. Politics, politics, it's too confusing. Teenage politics, it's too confusing. Politics, politics. Uh, big shouts to Jared Scott for mm-hmm. taking the time to talk with us. It was super fun. Um, we appreciate um, all of his time to share with us. And um, it was fun. It was a good yeah. dude. And I'm really looking forward to that future MXPX show in yeah, Chicago. Man. It's going to happen. Um, which, by the way, they're already many conversations about a magpod uh hang yep. in chicago when they come yeah, we should definitely do that so we're we've we're we're in talks with um number of listeners so cool whenever that show's announced people yeah there will be a mxpx uh magpod um px fan slash you know just just get everybody together to hang it'll be it'll be fun so come from michigan or ohio or the sketch even yeah 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 people (laughs) come up from we got to get nikki p yeah you got to get folks from the sketch alberta yep come on get a get some cj and lindy down here get some folks from uh from california Come we'll on, people. We'll I don't know why big... they'd come here, but they should. <laughs> they should. They one hundred percent should come here. It'll be, it'll be fun. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Let us know your favorite Jared Scott photograph, and <laughs> also what your uh, your ideal ten song set would be. Uh, yes. Thanks for a fun episode, everybody. Uh, on our next, nope. Uh, <laughs> we want to encourage you to. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Rate and review us. Subscribe if you haven't done that yet, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we could use some more ratings and reviews. It always helps. Yep. Um, Balance out those two. <laughs> we have we have one one-star review that has pushed us to a 4.5. Well, so come on, people. We have, uh, we have two. What? Now. This is. This is. <laughs> I don't. Things are looking tough. But are we, are we really... Are we one star in it here? Are we one star? All these blood, sweat, and tears? Yeah. Look at this. Look at this bullshit. I don't know how I feel about that. Actually, I do know. I don't like it. 
So MagPod <laughs> community, we need you. We're putting that MagPod single out in the sky. I cannot talk this episode. <laughs> the signal out in the sky, and we the, need you to come with your five the stars. Sky, the skyle, even. The skyle. Um, I'm going to stop talking shortly, but <laughs> hit us up there. Also, email us, magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, 8727-MACPOD. You can. And you can support us over at our Patreon, patreon.com. slash magnified pod <laughs> that's right um yeah and exciting on our next episode we'll be covering punk rock christmas yeah we will when it'll be about time for a christmas podcast at our house and it wouldn't be the same without you so join us won't you it's about time for a party at my house and it wouldn't be the same without you no not at all as i Bring along yourself and don't forget that smile. Plan on staying a while till summer turns to fall. As I recall, you've got what I need. Man, now that this episode's over, John, we can totally talk about how we actually hate Party My House Be There. I hate it so much, I reference it at the end of every episode. <laughs> Gosh, it's so stupid. It sucks. You know, it's almost it's almost uh, the only reason that this album is number three <laughs> yeah. out of every album that they've ever done. Yeah. God, the worst. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that this is a song that people like <laughs> so dumb. <laughs>